My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fanhole spinoff show where we talk about Transformers all the time and every time. Uh, I'm Mike, I'm going to be your host for this episode, and we're, uh, we've got a special guest on the show tonight. Uh, we've had him on before to talk about Transformers and other things. Uh, why don't you say hi? Hello, my name is the Irredeemable Shag, but for this episode I would like to be known as the Irredeemable Shaglock, if you don't mind, please. Awesome. Woo! You yeah. shaglock badass. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and of course, I'm also joined by. Hey, what's up? This is Derek. Derek WC. Woo. Yes. Woo indeed. To all Autobots within range of this signal, our planet is dying. We have no choice but to take to the stars. I am ordering the evacuation of all Autobot cities effective immediately. So, yes, uh, t- when we last had Chag on, uh, we talked about the uh, original, like, Dreamwave six-issue uh, miniseries there, like, launch title, like, the gen- I think it was just called, like, Generation One, or uh, the story was called Prime Directive. But uh, this uh, tonight, we are going to talk about The War Within, which was uh, Dreamwave's, like, uh, well, not second, but, like, third series, because technically they had Armada running at the same time, too. But, uh, yeah, The War Within was, like, launched, like, shortly after, you know, Generation 1 in the Armada comics for Dreamwave. And uh, it was launched with quite a bit of hype for fans, because not only was, you know... Uh, even at that point, like 2002, uh, Simon Furman was like the biggest like name in Transformers like writing. So like ha- hearing he was going to return was like a big like thing for fans. And we were also introduced to the art of Don Figueroa, who has like you know since gone on to be one of the known as one of the best and you know most prolific Transformers like art comic artists like of all time. At the time, this was a big deal, and uh, like I, personally for me, when they first like announced it and they showed like promo art and they said you know Simon Furman was coming back, and like no one knew who Don Figueroa really was at that point, aside from like if you would you know, read some of his, like, fanfics. Like, he'd drawn a lot of fan comics and stuff. And, like, uh, like once we saw the promo art, like, everyone was, like, all, like, excited for this. And, you know, we read the preview story. And I know I was because, I mean, at that point, I think I talked about it last time. But, like, I, I was really happy to have Transformers comics again. But I kind of, like, I, I remember kind of wishing, like, the story was better, like, reading the original miniseries. And, like, Armada was okay, but it wasn't, like, you know, G1. So, like, this was, like, a welcome, like, you know, grab it, like, you know, direct grab at my, like, fanboy, like, roots or whatever. And, like, I, I don't know, Derek, like, what about you? Like, was it was it the same for you or... I, I think so, because I, I, I think the attraction was that you were you were dealing with the Transformers, but it was supposed to be 
you know, essentially how, how did the Great War start, like a kind of prequel thing. And so that necessitates that it's mostly set on Cybertron and you don't have to deal with any, you know, humanity, human elements, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, you don't have to have arguments over whether, you know, humans can skate by or they get squished underneath, you know, Megatron's boot and how violent that is. You know, it's all just kind of centralized around the Transformers. And I know, you know, I know some people don't like that because Transformers are supposed to be, you know, robots in disguise and hide out on Earth and all that kind of stuff. But I, I've always kind of liked the more cosmic aspect to Transformers. And I, I basically I, I usually get excited when the Transformers go back to Cybertron. So in this sense, th- this is kind of it was a similar setup, right? You you had you had a long time Transformers writer like Simon Furman coming back to put his spin on, you know, what what, you know, uh, sort of like a new take on on what the the lead up to the the series or the comics that you know and love, you know, were basically. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty I was pretty hyped about it. I think I think we, we I, I feel like it's fair to say like anybody that was into Transformers at the time was pretty hyped up about all these series as they were released. And I, you know, I'll fully admit I was, I was definitely buying all of them. So what about you, Shag? Well, I, you know, I came in, uh, reading the, the first G1 miniseries and absolutely loved it. Not knowing what all you guys enlightened me to last time we li- we talked, but I, I enjoyed that. And then like Armada or Energon, which one came first? I guess Armada came first, right? Um, it, did, well, it wasn't working for me because I didn't enjoy the cartoon. I felt like, okay, this is clearly targeted at little kids. This is not my Transformer. So I just, I bought it. I tolerated it. I enjoyed the art in our Armada, but it just started didn't do anything for me. So when they announced War Within, I don't remember the exact D. I don't know how much I really knew. I, I can't recall. It's been so long. Like, I, I probably would have known Simon Furman wrote the Marvel stuff, but, you know, past... The first, I don't know, six, seven issues, I never read any more of those Marvel Transformers. I was only aware of their existence. I didn't, I wasn't steeped in them. I was more like, okay, I love the comics. I had some of the toys. I'm sorry, I love the cartoons. I had some of the toys. I read some of the comics. I had a passion, but it was more like just a generalized one. So the Simon Furman thing probably didn't resonate. But then when I picked up the preview, I know at least the art absolutely blew me away. I mean, regardless of what I may have thought about Superstar Pat Lee's previous art, this was just stunning. It was chunkier. They were kind of rounder, more organic. It's probably the best way I can describe them. The art knocked my socks off. I was like, okay, the other Transformers look cool. This, they, these look just super impressive. And and my experience as far as being on Cybertron was probably the movie. You know, I, I don't know that I really had much experience with Cybertron stories beyond that. So seeing a story take place on Cybertron and the origin was really exciting. And this is 2002. So if you think about around that era other quote-unquote prequel stories were a bit disappointing. So this prequel story was very exciting that it was good. Yeah, indeed. Like, I mean, and I think this, this kind of set a precedent too. like Don Figueroa's like art set a precedent that whenever there would be a story that like took place like pre earth or like on Cybertron, like an artist was pretty much obligated after this point to redesign every character to have like a Cybertronian like alt mode. In nice. like vehicle modes and stuff. So like like Don Figueroa was like, okay, no more cheating. Like so we we gotta like you know like in the original cartoon they had like just their Earth like robot modes and some of them would turn into like you know Cybertronian cars, but like nothing was like you know they weren't gonna re- design a whole new robot mode for like these characters. So like yeah, this this um 
this was kind of like unprecedented at the time. And, so, and Shag and Shag is not alone, actually, because much like Shag, the uh, the TF Wiki goes on to have a little blurb about the War Within that states Transformers version of the Phantom Menace, but actually a good story <laughs> and no Jar Jar. So 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 Shag is is not in the minority about about <laughs> thinking that. I, I would I, I would also like to share something else the wiki is written. Uh, it's a quote from uh, um, Hirofumi Ichikawa, who is a noted uh, de- uh, designer for Takara and like Hasbro, designer of like Transformer toys and writer of some Transform or Transformer manga. And like at at the time, he reviewed like this story like as a you know Japanese fan and uh, <laughs> this. This is a, a, a somewhat broken English translation of a line from that review. For curing grief of the fans who look at Armada TV show and are drowned in sadness. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds exactly like Shaq. <laughs> I think those were the exact words I used a minute ago. Play it. Uh-huh, yep. back, play it. <laughs> yep. So, like, yeah, you're in you're in good company. Like, <laughs> Hirofumi Ichikawa agrees with you. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So, So if I can, Mike, before we dive into the book, I just wanted to propose something to you guys that's been on my brain this week, if that's okay. So I I started thinking about Transformers and thinking about the cars themselves. And I I think about cars when I'm driving on the road and somebody cuts me off and we have a little expression in my family. We call it douchebag and a Mustang because it always seems like those. I'm probably going to offend all your listeners in whatever cars they drive. I'm sorry. Anyway, so I got thinking, I'm like, what if the the G1 characters? Just just so you know, I am a douchebag in a Mustang. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> perfect i'm so glad i nailed that one awesome. Awesome. so so i started thinking i'm like what if what if g1 was reimagined today right and all based on people's perception of cars and stuff like that so i'll give you the first one through my head and if you guys want to chime in with some go for it like sort of go bumblebee this volkswagen bug right nowadays my perception of the modern day Volkswagen bug is like, at least in my town, they're all driven by like 20 something college girls. That's who all drives Volkswagen bugs in my town. So I started thinking, all right, so that makes Bumblebee like a social media obsessed selfie taker, you know, like, is is that what they would base it on based on that car? I don't know. Do you guys ever have any like impressions of car, obviously besides Mustangs, uh, impressions about cars that might lead you to develop a new transformer? Sometimes I'll look at cars and I'll be like, oh, that would be a good like alternate mode for like such and such a character or something. I I think when 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 you when you talked about the the modern context versus because because I guess like there's there's a different feel maybe you'd get for like the VW bug mm-hmm. when it came out in 1982. Right. Like that might exactly. that might lend itself to the character that Bumblebee was in the Sunbow cartoon, but then now in the modern context, it's a little more sleek, like a little more like Apple iPhone-ish looking mm-hmm. VW bug, you know? So it's like, it's like there might be that aspect to it where it's like, not only is it a selfie taking like 20 something that, you know, but, but maybe also like that whole, you know, Apple store employee help thing, you know, like where they want to help Optimus or something like that. I don't know. But then, <laughs> The, the, the other thing, though, that I thought was weird is, does that have to necessitate, like, I get what you're saying, like, that the 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 people who drive the cars, like, their personalities, you associate with the car. Yeah, but like, yeah. The, the, the thing that I think is interesting is, like, I mean, I haven't watched it. I don't watch any of the live action movies. But, like, I mean, there is that aspect 
even in that what the even though the the Bumblebee movie was retro, right? Like you you had the young lady who who was friends with you know what I mean? Like like mm-hmm. there there is some truth I think to what you're saying, right? Like some some verisimilitude about that where it's like you have the young twenty something girl who who hangs out with Bumblebee, right? And then that, uh, like, what what comes first? You know, the cart or the horse, right? Like, did that did that movie inspire a bunch of young twenty somethings to run out and buy VW Bugs, or did did all the twenty somethings that were driving VW Bugs in your town and maybe across America inspire the screenwriters like yourself to go, oh well, who better to put with Bumblebee, you know, than than a cute twenty something girl or whatever like that? But it's like I think like when I was a kid. Like I used to uh, like try to find Transformers, like 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 look for, you know, the cars or or even if even if the cars didn't match, like it's not like my dad had a Porsche, but he did have like a blue Chrysler. So for some reason, I wanted to like that blue Chrysler when he had it was blue streak because it was, uh-huh. like, it was blue. You know, it's a car like I didn't I, I didn't I was too young to know the distinction between uh, a Chrysler and a Porsche, right? Like that they weren't remotely the same. Right. <laughs> but 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 to me, I was like, oh, it's a blue car. Right. So then then that, you, you know, sometimes those, I guess, superficial elements made me think of certain Transformers or characters or whatever like that. I love that, and I think you're onto something with the, the with informing the the Bumblebee movie. the the t- The type of driver might have informed the movie. So I'll, I'll run through a couple more I thought of real quick. Like you mentioned Porsche uh, or Porsche. By the way, if you ever know anyone who owns a Porsche, they'll tell you, "No, no, it's Porsche." That's a that's a very big thing with them. So like all I could think of was like making a character like Joey Tribbiani from Friends, because there's that whole episode where he's obsessed with Porsches. Um, Ironhide, you know, he's a van, right? He's one of those 1980s vans all with, with closed windows and everything. I mean, imagine Ironhide being played by like a middle-aged, creeping, balding, kidnapper van kind of guy would be Ironhide. Gears, pickup truck, you know, there you go, perfect. Get a redneck, put a shotgun in the back window of Gears, and there you go, that works too. Uh, my, my two favorite, though, was like uh, one of my favorite Transformers was Brawn. He was one of the only Transformers I had growing up. I loved Brawn. I just thought he was awesome. And he was supposed to be a Land Rover. Well, Back then, Land Rovers were badass, you know, and so that was cool. Nowadays, at least my perception of Land Rover drivers are they're basically suburban, middle-aged, one-percenters, you know, is what they are. So I I would imagine Braun instead is like some guy talking about the stock market all the time. And then Windcharger, you know, who's the Pontiac Trans Am, perfect one. You get Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused to play Windcharger, the Trans Am. I think that'd be perfect. So that was my little rider, rider, rider. Exactly. That was my little experiment. Didn't really go anywhere, but I had a lot of fun coming up with it. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because like when you said like all that, I was thinking of um IDW's like Transformers infiltration like series where all the Autobots have like the holographic drivers or whatever. And uh, like yeah, Bumblebee has like a sort of like Lindsay Lohan looking like holographic driver. Perfect. Cause, Perfect. Cause it's like, you know, Herbie the love bug or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like all, all the other guys like seem to have like drivers that like, you know, look like, uh, you know, their personalities almost. Nice. Thank you for indulging my ridiculously stupid idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what. <laughs> now all your listeners are writing in going, you jerk, I drive a Land Rover. Yeah, some people take that really personally, and I should know. Like my my roommate is a is a car guy, so he's like, you know. But but anyway, uh, 
so let's um yeah let's get into the actual series and uh you know it's a six issue series and there was one preview story like a preview issue and uh I, we're we'll go get to the preview issue later because it, it actually like the story and it takes place in between i think issues two and three so like when we get to that we'll get to that but uh like i will read the wiki summary for each issue and then we'll talk a little about that issue and uh yeah so uh, issue number one, uh, the Autobot leader, Sentinel Prime, is killed in battle. A while later, at the vault of, high, of the High Council pavilions in Iacon, Blue Streak relates Scuttlebutt about how the old Prime died to indifferent archivist, archivist Optronics, who just wants to be left to his work. Blue, Blue Streak thinks Optronics has a cushy position. Over in Orbital Taurus State Altihex, Grimlock's team of Autobots is in trouble. Overhaul dies with a hole blasted through him, the latest victim of the Autobot Decepticon War. As Grimlock orders his men to hold their position, Cup reports that the Sky Sled Evac unit is having trouble. A group of neutrals are refusing to evacuate. Bumblebee radios from the transport that Thundercracker and Skywarp are incoming, but Grimlock doesn't have the resources to provide assistance, and the two seekers destroy the building full of neutrals. Trailbreaker drags Bumblebee onto the ship, telling him that Altihex is lost. As Grimlock prepares to withdraw, he complains that they need a leader with the strength to turn the tide. Meanwhile, in the Chamber of Ancients, the Council of Ancients is telling Optronics that they've selected him to succeed Sentinel Prime. Although he protests to Consular Gravitas that a mistake has been made, the console is firm that the Matrix has made its choice and attempt to convince him that it's a good idea. Jazz and Prowl arrive in Praxis and wait in what was once the Helix Gardens, both saddened by the devastation the Decepticons have wrought on the area. Grimlock soon arrives with his squad and a message. If the new Prime is unsuitable, they'll depose him and install themselves as leaders. In the Oracle Tank, in Iacon's Stellar Galleries, Optronics asks the Keeper for answers, believing that they should leave Cybertron for the Decepticons. A short while later, he's back in the Chamber of Ancients for the inauguration ceremony. Only a true Prime can contain the Matrix, and Optronics does, being augmented by the Matrix's power into Optimus Prime. Immediately after this, a Decepticon assassination squad moves to strike, Skids tries to block them and has his right arm sliced off. While Backbite struggles with Bumblebee and Grimlock, Grimlock, Umbra transforms to gun mode. Before Darklight can fire Umbra, he's slammed into the ground by Optimus. Cup and Hound take out Backbite, but Grimlock holds the other Autobots back. He wants to see how Optimus handles the remaining two Decepticons. Optimus manages to twist Umbra's attack so his blade fatally pierces Darklight. As Prime tries to question Umbra, the assassin merely says that the Autobots are all doomed and then self-terminates. Though the other Autobots celebrate Prime's easy victory, their elation quickly turns to dismay as their new leader announces that he doesn't feel that Cybertron is worth fighting for and orders the Autobots to evacuate the planet. However, Megatron has other ideas. So that is the first issue. Woohoo! Yeah. And like, yeah, I was like, you know, after buying, like, I, I eagerly went to the comic store and I bought, the, like, I think I bought, like, whatever covers were available, which I think, you know, there was that lenticular cover and then normal, like, three, like, gatefold cover. 
uh, like like that wrapped around and had like a sort of you know a Don a really nice Don Figueroa uh, Optimus Prime like surrounded by scenes from the series kind of and uh, yeah like I, I was super impressed like I think this still kind of holds up like I, I really like it like I you know Don Figueroa like not only is his art like more detailed and like you know just better proportioned and you know like he's a much better storyteller i think that's the main thing than patley is like and like he doesn't waste a lot of panels either and like i I feel like his panels flow and there was nothing i was like super confused about in this like issue which was kind of a thing with like you know the generation one series but uh like what about you can can i jump in on that yeah yeah, on that specific point there were two things in this that actually i had a little trouble understanding in your recap you clearly didn't um specifically on page i think it's page 20 the pages aren't numbered so it's always a little hard to figure this out but in the fight between optimus prime uh dark light and umbra you, you specifically stated in there uh, that Optimus grabs Umbra's blade and twists it so that it cuts into uh, Darklight. For me, I didn't get that. Like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I see the guy's got a blade. I see Optimus is reaching at him, but I don't see the hands connect. And I see the bad guy stab his friend, you know, instead. And I'm like, what? what's happening that's making this happen? So I, like, I actually had a hard time. Now... I should say, I should point out, these are some of the only places I had trouble understanding because it's uh, the story is gorgeous and beautiful. But like that panel, I didn't get. So clearly, you're maybe, seeing maybe it better than I am. Maybe that's the wiki summary's fault because mm. maybe it looks, maybe it, it does look a little more to me like maybe just Optimus dodged out of the way yeah. and like, yeah, like Umbra just like stat like ran right past him and stabbed Dark Light. But I think Optimus is doing a dance move. Like that's, yeah. that's <laughs> dance uh-huh. off. Yeah. He, yeah, he pirouetted out of the way or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but that, that's just one example of like where I, I, I did struggle to figure out what's happening in the action. It didn't happen often, but when it did, I'm like, what, what's going on? Yeah, it's not perfect. Like the the only other thing I might say, like, well, like, I I guess I lied. Like the only other thing I think I was confused about was that scene where like Grimlock meets with Prowl and Jazz and like Grimlock has like a sort of grapple gun and he like he uses it to like grab a piece of wreckage to like grab and like crush and stuff. And like that's a super like if you don't know that's a grapple gun he has, like you're like, what the what just flew past Jazz? Like it's some mm-hmm. kind of weird like drone or something. But like that was it, that was actually the other one I had in my notes, yeah. but I wasn't going to bother mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I think- it, it, I, okay. I think it's just worth mentioning, though, like this this is our introduction to Don Figueroa. And like, I think for his I mean, I know, you know, there was fan work and there was I apparently there was something published that he never got paid for or whatever, which I I feel bad because I'm like, oh, it, it's like this. And then Pat Lee Superstar probably gypped him out of some money, too. So it's like two times in a row. This poor guy has been hit up for work that, that he never got paid for. But the, the, the what I was thinking, though, is. For somebody's first like major run out on Transformers, like that there's a few flaws, I think is to be expected, right? He's sure, but for for somebody who's green, right? But like this is really good for somebody who's green too. So like I I, I just wanted to sort of turn that around, I guess. Yeah. And I'm glad you did, because I'm not trying to sound critical, because it is yeah, absolutely yeah. stunning. You're right. The story you, you mentioned it earlier, Mike. The storytelling is great. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's adventurous for guys 
who basically can't emote because they're boxes, right? I mean, he does an amazing job making you care about what's going on with the characters and what they're doing and their actions and the dynamic poses and stuff. It's, it's really spectacular. I think also, like, the fact that he did design or redesign a lot of the characters it, it contributes to, I think, my enthusiasm and or excitement, you know, for the series. Like, I, I, I sort of forgot about like the 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 lenticular cover though because i don't i don't even know if i bought that or not i'm pretty sure i just bought the basic one that was kind of a triptych and everything but like i i guess for me like some of this stuff was easy to assimilate to because the the characters never had i don't know cybertronian alt modes before like that this was the first time you were seeing some of the, and that's not true of everybody but but for a great many of the characters like he designed original either you know bot modes or vehicle modes for the characters and stuff like that so that that was kind of unique for the time um but then i i think i to me I, it was always a a challenge to reconcile stuff because i think i was so brought up on the Sunbow cartoon, and I, I kind of feel like we, we talked about this before with the Dreamwave G1, where, I mean, if if the Dreamwave G1 wasn't, you know, its own continuity, if it was going to be connected to anything, it would have been the Sunbow cartoon. And, and I think there's a lot of hints of that even in this, but I, I always feel like it's funny because I think Figueroa said in the interview in the preview something to the effect of, you know, this isn't like the episode War Dawn, you know, and, and I think for me, I, I kind of thought of Orion Pax rather than, you know. I don't know what's his name now, Optotronics or whatever, like which they don't Optronics, which they don't really say. So it's like it's like super vague. Where if you if you want that to be Orion Pax, like it could be, even though he he doesn't really look like Orion Pax. So it's like you know it's 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 that thing I always wrestle with with stuff like this because as we've mentioned repeatedly, Shag like every. Transformers continuity, it's like you're starting over. So right, we've exactly. started over like 15 times by now. So now we're numb to it. But I think, you know, when you were, you know, earlier on, this is this is more like, you know, the the the, the first crisis on Infinite Earth. Or, you know, like you know what I mean? Like where you're still yeah. kind of like, wait, I want things to make sense. How does how do these, you know, how do these Legos fit together and all that kind of stuff? And and it was always it was always difficult for me. Because I was like, well, there's Autobot elders and there's not an Alpha Trion, and like, and and you wonder like, why do they pick this guy? And and to me, then then it's interesting because now we have all this far flung future knowledge. So it's like in this Sentinel Prime is pretty much a non explored character. He's just an Autobot martyr that was killed by Megatron, mm-hmm. and. In the context of this story, I mean, you know, I, I mean, this is probably a foolish thing to say, but but something along the lines of th- this was a period where maybe uh, more uh, leaders were trusted than not. So 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 to me, I mean, maybe maybe it's just my outlook, maybe personally, like maybe that reflects how I thought of things or something. So maybe it doesn't apply to everybody, but I I never had any notion and i don't think anything was explicitly stated that sentinel you know basically most people cup included thought sent you can tell from certain dialogue that sentinel prime was a stand-up guy at least in this continuity whereas in in later versions of these 
origin stories, you know, they talk about how the Autobot Council's corrupt and Sentinel Prime's a duty head. And I, if I if I understand correctly, because I don't watch those movies, but if I understand correctly, like Sentinel Prime is like Leonard Nimoy and a bad guy or something in the Bayformers movies, right, Mike? Or am I messing that up? Yes, you're right. I will overlook your condescending tone if you heed the gravity of mine. So, so ba- basically, what I'm getting at is there there are other versions where you know I don't know George Washington was a punk basically. Do you know what I mean? Like 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 that's there, there, there's other versions where where it didn't it wasn't quite up to snuff. Whereas in this version, he's kind of like a straightforward you know like like you if you take it at face value, he's you know, kind of a, a more noble character than not, you know? So, and, and I guess, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of going through all my notes, like stuff that I thought about and like Optimus prime choosing to leave the planet behind made me actually think of Fortress Maximus in the headmasters Marvel comic. Cause that seemed to be his, his whole thing. Like they, the Autobots that were probably more pacifist than not. Right. They, they, or, or, maybe the better term is at least in that they were tired they were worn out they were tired of this you know millennia year war and and basically the idea was dude anybody who's tired of this shit like me like let's all get into a ship and we're gonna go somewhere fucking else away from this crap and that was their whole thing and i i I thought it was interesting that that that's you know i guess because he's He's portrayed as a data clerk rather than, I don't know, some optimistic young kid or whatever, like he was in the Sunbow cartoon. He, he's very analytical about it. He's like, I ran the figures. My Excel spreadsheet says, like, this is not going to work out for any of us. So let's just let's just get the hell out of here. And and that's not anything that his, you know, his troops want to hear, you know. So it's like I, I think they set up some very interesting ideas you know, like, but, but then, you know, to me, I think it's kind of funny that, like, you know, it starts out with Blue Streak saying that warfare isn't in Cybertronian nature. But I'm like, bro, you have, like, two rockets attached to your shoulders. Like, what the F are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean it's not in your nature? It's on your goddamn shoulders. And I know, I know, maybe they were add-ons later on once this whole thing started and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of kind of cracks me. He said he was, a, he was a Cybertronian merchant before the war started. So those were just like, I don't know, like sales missiles or something. Like he shot like, you know, a big banner out of them that said, there's a sale at my kiosk or something. Dude, t-shirt, dude, dude. t-shirt cannons. Yes. Blue, Blue yeah, exactly. The, Blue Streak was the Tony Stark of Cybertron. <laughs> Selling <laughs> munitions and shit before this whole thing went down. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I just want to chime in. Like, I never saw the Transformers episode, or I don't remember it—the one where they had Optimus's uh, origin. So I, I, I keep saying, like, because we we've already covered this. So otherwise, I would invite you and Rob on, and we talk about it. But you and Rob need to watch War Dawn and do a um, Saturday morning fever. Oh on, gosh, War Dawn, because 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 Rob Rob said he 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 was you know when we did the Treasury, he said he kind of liked the whole IDW. Optimus Prime origin, like he kind of understood where people were coming from and all that other stuff. So I think I, I I think he probably forgot about it now. So probably doesn't matter. But at the time when we recorded it, he should go back and listen to the episode again and remember what he said. Like I think he would he would dig that. And and you you probably have seen it, but you forgot about it. So I think I'm, if you watched it again, you would have like 
recall or whatever. Uh, okay. So, well, where I was going was, so, so for me, I felt like, you know, obviously I may have had the memory gap, but th- for me, this was my first exposure to this, you know, early history. So it's like, for me, it was like, I didn't realize it was conflictory. I didn't realize there was contradictions or anything like that. And, and in hindsight, it almost feels a little bit like the Battlestar Galactica reimagining. You know, mm. everyone looks different. The story's, I guess, different. And, uh, you know, it's a lot grittier than the Sunbow cartoon. It feels a little bit like the BSG um, reimagining. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, at least with this miniseries, it's it's cleverly written enough so that if, if you really wanted to squeak it in, you probably could. But I think I think the, the longer this Dreamwave continuity goes on, the more things diverge from it that 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 becomes impossible but i think i I think at least the way this is written i feel like at least they tried right like i i do remember when this first came out like reading message boards and people who had never read the marvel comics or anything being like super confused that like like they were like wait why is grimlock in command of wheeljack wheeljack's the one who created him like and they were only familiar with like the sunbow cartoon and stuff like there there is that there is that aspect too where you you wonder about things like well i mean because it's conflictory in in the sunbow cartoon too with the constructicons right like in in one episode, you think they created the Constructicons, and then in another episode, they're on Cybertron, palling around with Omega Supreme, and they've created Megatron somehow. So you're like sitting there, like you know, pulling your hair out because you know it's like the old Star Trek the original series. There's plenty of things that don't line up within its own run, right? Mm-hmm. So and some people take that as canon, like like oh, Wheeljack made the Dinobots, right? Like in in the the Sunbow cartoon. Whereas in this, it's like, you know, it's more that that's an aspect where I, I guess I'm so entrenched in it. I don't even think about it, but that's an aspect that's very much from the Marvel comics and the Marvel comics. The Dinobots were on Cybertron and came to earth, came to the savage land and took on dinosaur modes. Right. So like, that's, you know, that that's something where, you know, you're like, what is Grimlock going to turn into? Right. And then he turns into this kind of cool, you know, tank treaded, like, uh, I don't know, kind of, you know, I don't know, Dark Knight Returns, like, you know, bat tank thing or whatever. Right. Know? Well, one of the things, too, in the preview, if you read Simon Furman stuff, he, he was so impressed with the artwork as he says that the artist drew the new alt modes in such a way that you could actually see the transformations always worked. Like he said, you know, people used to cheat all the time with making the transformations work, but he goes, but these transformations actually work. So seeing Grimlock transform into that big truck was pretty cool. I liked, I liked how they would show the transformations. Yeah, like absolutely. Like I like I said, I think Don Figaro like ruined it for everyone after this <laughs> point cuz then it's like, okay guys, like you can't cheat anymore. Like you got to design a whole new design every time you're, you know, you do a Cybertronian story or something. I I I feel like I and I don't know, I don't know if this was something that was lost along the way or maybe I just became numb to it, but I I feel like that was you, you know how they talk about in TV series like there's there's that point in time where, you know, it's been running for a few seasons and either, you know, I don't know, they want to give somebody a new kid sister or they want to, you know, they want to put a new coat of paint on this long running series, you know, and it's like, you know, typically it comes up when they talk about the transition from Justice League to Justice League Unlimited. You know, at some point they thought, well, why don't we just add Aquaman as a new member or something like that or, you know, have a, a couple new members. But then they went whole hog and just basically went well let's just make it justice league unlimited and do everybody but either way it fit their uh mandate 
to 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 switch things up and just slap a new coat of paint on things. And I, I feel like redesigning like long running characters, like even if you just look at what people refer to as the big six, you know, like Optimus, Megatron, Starscream, Soundwave, Bumblebee, Grimlock, right? Those are the ones that, you know, you can make 20 million statues of and nobody's never not going to buy it, right? Like whatever it is. And it's like, there's something fun about seeing a redesign of all, all of those kind of characters. Like, you know, if it comes to the point where it's like, you know, I don't know, gears or brawn, I don't know that how many people will be excited to see like 20, you know, and I love brawn and I love gears, but I don't know how many people will be excited to see different versions of brawn and gears. But I think the, the characters that most people expect to see are prime and Megatron. And even like when they did the, the Jay Lee thing where they did, uh, I'm trying to think like the the, um, the World War Two one. Yeah, yeah. Like they they tried to redesign all that stuff, so they were they were World War Two tanks and 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 things like that or whatever. Or like they did the whole steampunk thing at one point. I forget who did that, but it was like you know it was like they they were steam engines and 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 all that kind of stuff. So it's like I, I think they've that's a trick and, and a well that they've gone to a bunch. But I mean, I think I think this was one of the first times it was done and effectively realized and made successful if that makes sense so i've got some story notes i wanted to run past if that's okay yeah uh and and i've got some art stuff too so you mentioned grimlock and his team right and then we talked about the dinobots so i thought it was an interesting choice that grimlock his team was not the dinobots in their cybertronian uh phase is there something in the history that shows him specifically with those other guys like cup and and wheeljack and all them because i thought that was odd I I think it was just a choice by Simon Furman to put some of like the older like veteran type guys like mm. together like like even like Ironhide and Cup are obvious but even Wheeljack has been portrayed yeah. as like an older type guy yeah. in certain like media so and like I I don't know maybe Furman just didn't want to get into the Dinobots at this point because like they they all show up in the next war within like miniseries like as under Grimlock's command but for right uh, now it seems like he just wanted to you know focus on his his favorite pet character you know Grimlock <laughs> yeah I I think I think also may, I don't know if this will answer or contribute to the answer to Shag's question or not but I, I feel like there was always that worry or danger that like you can't show the Dinobots together on the Cybertron initially because they're not dinosaurs. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. basically his alt mode is this tank thing. And like they've found various ways around it. Like I think eventually they call his Dinobot team in the sequel, the, what is it? The lightning strike squad or something, something like that. The lightning strike coalition. Right. So, so, so they name it that. So, so then in that, that that effectively solves that problem, right? They're not the quote unquote Dinobots yet. They're the Lightning Strike Coalition. So there's no like you know weirdness because they haven't gone to Earth yet. But then like uh, what what continuity is it? Was is it IDW? I forget. I forget. Isn't there the one continuity where they they call themselves like Dino like D Y N O? Yeah, just they just swap they swap the I out for a Y and yeah. that basically so, solves so, the problem. And, and and that also was was an attempt to quote unquote solve the problem, right? So I think I think some of that contributes to it's a lot easier 
to not have to deal with it at all if you put Grimlock with all these old timers and not all his fellow Dinobots, because then you don't even have to really answer the question. You don't have to come up with a new name or swap letters or be clever, clever or any of that. You just you have Grimlock and he's always been there and he's he's an old grizzled war veteran like the rest of them. I freaking love in the War for Cybertron video game where they also call like Grimlock's team like the Lightning Strike Coalition that everyone makes fun of that name. Like they're like you know, <laughs> Jazz and Cliffjumper are like riffing back and forth where Jazz is like, oh, it's Grimlock and his guys. Uh, they, he calls them like the Lightning Strike something or other. And Cliffjumper's just like, that's terrible. It's great about his teammates, though. I, I know it was Cup and... Ironhide because, you know, because of their age and, and that kind of thing. But I, I kept thinking of them as like the the, the face shield screen brothers, because like it, it's like it had that old kind of, you know, old school Ironhide toy look where his face was the, the shield screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I don't know. I thought that was a cool touch in the, the design aspect for Ironhide. Well, I was just thrilled to see Cup in there. I love the idea of them mixing generations like that. And then having having Cup's laser called a mus- musket laser. I mean, that was just, that cracked my cracked my junk up. Just like, okay, definitely call him old right there. Just straight up do it. Yeah, that's actually from his original, like, tech specs. Like, from really? back in 19, 19- yeah, he, it says he wields a musket laser. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's that's how how old you know he is because he's got to load his uh, right. laser with energon with a little peg or whatever. He's got right. the little stick. Oh. He's like yep. you know, he's just standing on the like handle, like pushing it down. Like hang on, like let me don't, reload it. Like don't don't let your energon get wet, boys. That's right. So I, I, here's here's a possibly a plot hole that I think I maybe stumbled upon. I don't know. So if you read the preview, which we're going to talk about later, but if you read the preview first, which is how it came out, and then you read issue one. Something doesn't jive. Uh, they talk about an issue one where they say the Autobots never even knew the Decepticons existed until the Civil War breaks out, right? Yet, because of the preview, we know that Grimlock was fighting in the Decepticon arena thousands of years ago. And now he's part of the Autobots. Did he just forget to mention it? Did it, did it just never come up in conversation that there's this whole group of people training to fight them, attack them? I, I think that should have been, well, at least th- this would have been my comment for the, the preview issue. I, I don't think they should have had faction symbols on them in the flashbacks. Because I, okay. I think the idea was they were all Cybertronians and there there was no knowledge of the Decepticons like as a uh, group uh, institution, like whatever you want to refer to them as, as a faction. But it was an underground underworld thing. That's why the Senator was being paid off. Like, mm-hmm. like basically they, they were having fight club every night, but it wasn't like it was widely known. You know, it's like, it's not like, it's not like the NFL players want you to know about their secret, you know, pit bull dog fights or whatever. Oh, God. But then, but then it just so happens that all the people that went to those pit bull fights become, I don't know, Decepticons or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. overnight, it's like, Oh, Holy crap. Like now, now all these guys, all of a sudden they're part of some crazy movement. And, 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 and now we're in a civil war, you know, like that, that was kind of my take on it. 
Yeah, like I, I think that the pit fights were just some underground, like illegal thing, and like you know, eventually, you know, it 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 went public as the Decepticons, but like that was after Grimlock had joined up with you know Sentinel Prime or whoever else. But gotcha. I don't know. I, I'm I'm sure you can like smudge the timeline enough that it makes sense. But and then one more, you mentioned Sentinel Prime. So why, when Megatron killed Sentinel Prime, why didn't he have the Matrix in his chest? Is that just like something you hang around with, like like your Sunday best, or is that like uh, when you're Prime, or or, or... maybe I, like I always assumed that Sentinel Prime like had had it like you know maybe figured it might be a trap or something mm. like when he went to meet with them and just left it behind. So that's a good. All right, I like that. I, that's a, I, I kind of. I guess I guess my added fix to that would be, you know, Prime or sorry, Optimus gets visions from the Matrix. So it wouldn't surprise me as if, you know, if Sentinel Prime is not the nefarious person, he goes on to be in other continuities and he's just this stand up guy. Like maybe he, too, had visions like maybe he knew like I don't I don't know how to explain this, but maybe he knew he had to sacrifice himself and and also knew that he had to leave the matrix behind or got some, you know, premonition or warning like, like, you know, that, that he shouldn't be taking the matrix. Cause it seems like that council kind of, I don't know that that's the thing that's weird is I, I, I never understood why that council decided on, I guess, optotronics or whatever his name is, you know, the, the, why they decided on Orion Pax basically like, cause it's like, okay, he's a data clerk, you know, like, but it's like, what, I guess it, it's almost like it goes back to that thing where people want to get into fights over whether, you know, Jedi's or are generic or generic genetic or, or, um, or, or, or whether like anybody who picks up a broom can become a Jedi, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and so you wonder about it where it's like, oh, well, if it, it sounds like at least that there's, there's something with Pax that makes him a, a, a viable candidate to, to be a matrix bearer, to be a prime and that, that it wouldn't necessarily work for for just anyone you know just any cybertronian so and, and i don't know but but it, but anyway i guess i guess my my thought on it was just that um you, you know maybe sentinel had some kind of premonition yeah. and 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 the council maybe shared that premonition or maybe contributed to the pre- you know what i mean like maybe there was this thing like hey we know you're gonna go off and do your sunday best but hey why don't you just you know, we, we got this vibe, too. Like, why don't you just leave the Matrix? And he's like, oh, fuck. Okay, I'll leave the Matrix. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, definitely, I got the vibe that the Matrix selected him rather than them actually, like, sitting around and making a vote and, you know, determining. Right. I feel like the Matrix selected him, so they're like, really? That guy? <laughs> All right. If you the say next, so. the next pr- the next prime will be uh, that guy exactly. over there in the corner. <laughs> Urkel? Seriously, Urkel is the ne- all right. If you whatever, trust the Matrix, I guess. And then, then he gets the Matrix, and you're like, "Damn, Urkel be working out." <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to say, and like, I I guess I should have made this clear before I read the wiki summary because the wiki just kind of takes it for granted, but like. Yeah, Optimus Prime's like prename, like Optronics, like that's not never mentioned in this story. Right. Like it, it's from like Simon Furman said it. I think it was like in the original script. And like uh, the same thing with the three assassins who try to kill him, like Umbra, Backbite, and Darklight. I think they only call Darklight by name in the actual comic. But, you know, the wiki just, you know, as the wiki does, just kind of assumes you, you like, you know who these guys are. Like, 
Um, I, yeah, because like in my notes, I just had Darklight. I didn't have the other names written down until you started saying them. I'm like jotting them down. I'm like, okay, Mike says this guy's this <laughs> yeah. guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, like that didn't even occur to me again. Yeah. But like, like I, I, I'm pretty sure like they were mentioned in some interview after the fact or something. Like, oh, those guys are you know Don Figueroa has like model sheets for them or something. But nice. But they're I, all original characters, and they never appear again in any other continuity. So, oh wow, okay. Well, my last comment is about the Don Figueroa art. I mean, we've 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 sung his praises a lot, but the, specifically, I want to mention you know, when, when Optimus becomes Optimus. You know, when uh, when the clerk becomes Optimus, and then we see the shot of Megatron at the end. Both of those pages are just awesome. They're totally great splash pages. I love especially the chest area, the way he's done. Like they're very broad in the chest. The chest is very like massive, almost pectoral muscles. I guess is what you call them. I don't know, but like giant muscular chest with giant shoulders they just look awesome chunky badass i love them i absolutely love the way he's designed them in robot mode yeah absolutely and uh we were talking about like storytelling and stuff and like how how good he like a uh, storyteller he is like i love and it's my avatar i love the whole like prowl like you know reminiscing about his like destroyed hometown mm. like scene mm-hmm. and, like and like prowl's my favorite character obviously but like i just love the way figueroa draw, draws like the cracks in his face it's like it's almost like they're tears almost like and like prowl's not usually a sentimental character so like i, I don't know it's a very like you know good like very affecting scene i feel like Oh, I see the cracks in it. Yeah, the cracks in his face. They look. They it looks like tears. Yeah, it looks really, really effective. Wow, that's great. Great yeah. issue. Great, great way to kick off the story. Yeah, I was going to say. Totally any, any anyone else have anything to say before we move on to number two? No, let's let's go on to number two. All right. Who number does number two, two work for? Who does number two work for? Within the Decepticon Fortress of Colcular. <laughs> God, Furman, what the fuck? Um, easy, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. It's easy. It's, 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 you, I, I got to do you, like Harrison Ford here. Yeah, it's you easy can to write, write this shit. shit. It's easy to write this shit, George, but you can't, sure as hell can't say it. <laughs> Megatron recaps how the now executed Emirate Zeon was bribed into ignoring the Decepticons' development of their underground movement. However, Starscream reviews footage of Laserbeak's last aerial recon, which shows that the Autobots are preparing to abandon the planet. Megatron is unconcerned, saying that while Optimus Prime has impressed him with ordering an evacuation, they aren't going anywhere. At the central spaceport, the Autobots prepare the Ark for Autobot evacuation, although Hound and Ironhide are debating the wisdom of the new Prime's decision to retreat from the planet. Grimlock's dissatisfaction distracts him from his work, missing the container Braun is trying to hand him, and he storms off. While Starscream is sent on a mission of only superficial importance, Megatron and Soundwave drill beneath Cybertron. In the caverns below, the Constructicons refit a planetary turbine to plump... to plump... to pump plasma (laughs) upward out of Cybertron. Scrapper reports that the work is ahead of schedule, and Megatron is interested in what would happen if they turned a turbine on with the exhaust vents still blocked. Prowl and Optimus stand in the Tower of Pion, discussing how the general public feels about Optimus's evacuation idea. While the usually calculating Prowl tries to explain how some decisions must be made with the heart, their meeting is disturbed. An inferno of plasma incinerates the Forum of Enlightenment. 
Over in Kaon, Grimlock sees the destruction in the distance, but rather than run to help rescue survivors, he moves deeper into Decepticon territory. Meanwhile, Megatron delivers a solemn speech to Soundwave and the Insecticons. Optimus and a team of Autobots explore the ruins of the immolated area, unable to find a single survivor. Red Alert suggests that the destruction was intentional, and Prime remembers Umbra's dying message, causing him to believe that Megatron devastated the city as a mere way of calling out the new Autobot leader. He breaks off from his group to explore the deeper depths of the area on his own, even aware the idea is madness. While trying to contact Prowl, he runs into the Insecticons. Though he initially tries to surrender so he can speak to Megatron, Shrapnel intends to take him in dead and blasts him into a pit. As Megatron picks himself up, Ravage charges into the, behind him. Meanwhile, at the Decagon, the Autobots are debating the wisdom of Prime going off by himself when Shockwave and an entire army of Decepticons attack. To be continued. Da, 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 da. So yeah, issue two. Uh, I you know I I, I, I again like I, there's not much I can say different that like I was I was eagerly you know to snatch this up. I remember like I, I this was very shortly after I got my first driver's license. I think so. It's like right after school. I like ran drove over to the comic shop and like you know uh, picked up whatever covers I could. Like I think I. I I might have been even buying like multiple copies because my like friend wanted one, but he couldn't make it to the comic shop like after school. So like I was probably, you know, given Dreamwave tons of money at this point. But but yeah, like, I mean, this is another, you know, solid installment, like both story and uh, art wise. Uh, I'll probably have more to say later, but like Shag, like what are your initial thoughts on this issue? Well, as the plot unfolds and you find out what Megatron's plan is to that, that he doesn't even really care about conquest of the planet. What he really wants to do is get these Cybertron propulsion systems online. It's pretty clever to use the revolution as a, as a ruse. And I love the idea of actually using the Constructicons to repair everything. Cause like that, that's what they're to do. They're supposed to build stuff. So to use them to actually do this construction work, I just thought was like genius on their part. I absolutely love that. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you a question because we were talking about uh, the, this this politician guy, right? Xenon on, on page one, the the Xenon politician guy. So you were talking about symbols earlier on, you know, like logos, the Autobot versus Decepticon logo. Xenon has a special logo on his head, like or or emblem or team icon or whatever. Is that one that we've seen before or something? It might be the Senate logo. Uh, let me actually, let me, I'm, I'm going to his wiki page so I can take a closer look at it. All righty. While you're doing that, I think there is another one on, let's see if I got this right. Um, yeah, on page 13, uh, which is an, another one where it's got uh, another logo. When Grimlock drops down into the, uh, the pit beneath uh, Kaon. There's another logo, which is also different. Uh, another sort of uh, team icon look. According to the wiki, like the Xenon logo is exclusive only to him. So like he has his own like family logo or crest or something, I mm, guess. Okay. It's the crest of corrupt politicians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess use that so. nowadays. Okay. Uh, and then the one where, and this, this, this is kind of an interesting art nod. So, so the, the page where, again, I think it's page 13, where Grimlock j is, jumps down into the pit. And there, you know, he's, he lights up his sword so he can see in the ruins of the old ar 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 arena, there's another 
icon there um, that I don't recognize as well. I, I think that one's just a, a corrupted Decepticon logo because of the the damage to the oh okay yeah, area, it's, it's uh, area. like partial I, I, Decepticon. Yeah, okay. I, I think I think it looks funny because of the damage and because it's kind of obscured. But I, I think it's supposed to be a Decepticon logo. Okay. Now, on that same page, I've already shared this with Derek, but uh, this is for you, Mike. On that same page, look at the center panel where Grimlock is jumping. Yep, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, a Dark Knight Returns uh, it, homage. Exactly. It is an homage to the cover of Dark Knight Returns number one. I saw that. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that really happening here? So, yeah. Uh, so I guess Grimlock is their Batman. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Grimlock's fan aura is equivalent to Batman or Wolverine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it gets it gets fucking ridiculous, man. Like, like you, you know how we're talking about how the primes, like, or how you have to be a certain, you know, I don't know, genetic makeup or a certain caliber of person or or some such to 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 wield the Matrix and and be a prime. Like, but, but I forget, is it the second miniseries? At some point, they're just like, dude. Even though Prime's not around, we'll make an exception for Grimlock because he he's badass. Yeah. You know? Like what? Like okay, yeah. Grimlock um, is the best best there is at what he does. Yeah, and what he yeah, does pretty, isn't pretty. Pretty much. I, I was just the Wolverine slash Batman. Yeah, like I, I, I was gonna say, like as far as Megatron's master plan goes that you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. like that that to me is uh, shades of a a. Uh, Again, it's it's one of the later miniseries, one of the last seasons of the Sunbow cartoon, but there's a three-part episode that deals with the headmasters called Rebirth, and Galvatron's entire plot is to put an engine on the back of Cybertron and, and have it, you know, rocket around and, and basically turn it into a war world just like Megatron is trying to do here. So oh, like wow, even okay. even that, before that though, like you know, that's like that was like Marvel Megatron's like plan. He wanted to turn like Cybertron into a cosmic like dreadnought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe this was a nod to that. Maybe Simon Firm was doing a you know to the nod of the new continuity. I'm not sure. I I dug it. So quit trying to rain in my parade. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, we're, it's, we're, not, we're not trying to rain. Cool we're just, plan. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just trying to be like nerds and and kind of geek out over the fact that it's it's happened a number of times. This has all happened before, and it will happen again. You know, Simon, Simon Furman's all like, uh, like I'll steal the greatest ideas, my own. Like, I yeah. mean, <laughs> you know, he's he's doing the Shakespeare riff with. Uh, Zeon's head too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ask for Yorick and all that stuff, and then and then if you want to be super nerdy about it, you could say it's a callback to to Dinobot and Beast Wars too, because they they were also doing a a Shakespeare rift, so that's to me is fun. And as far as other nerd tidbits, watch Robo and Psykill, man. Did you see Watch Robo and Psykill? Like like that's, that's oh yeah, and that very first splash with Zeon's yeah, head, like this all the like if if you look at the first page where he's mm-hmm. cradling Zeon's head, if you look to the I guess it would be the third tier of guys all the way to the left, and you if you see the purple colored one, that's Psykill, and then right below him cheering on, it's kind of gray and black. There's the little I don't I I just know because I had this this stupid watch character at some point i don't even think it was considered a transformer when it was released in the states but it was a diaclone toy that got imported over here but then 
basically in, for for you know diaclone most of those were imported as transformers so in japan it was called watch robo but like both those i was like psychill and watch robo like yay like, so, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of nerdy like Easter Acor- according to the wiki that that the watch guy has a name now because like ask vector prime like retroactively like named all those guys his name is meantime time it, it, is his first name Greenwich. Well, right. I was thinking that. <laughs> yes. Mean time. No, yeah. I think it's because he's a Decepticon and he's mean and he mean. tells time. Yeah. He's mean and he tells time. Yep. This, this this might be more of a a Mike a, a question or or a question for Mike, but but I don't know. Shag may have some some uh, thoughts on it as well. Um, I'll make it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the, to me, the main things that I took away from this issue, or the main things I felt like discussing about this issue is i feel like like this issue planted the seeds for things that would become like major major origin plot points in the idw comics like whereas here i feel like it's 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 hinted at it's barely touched on and it's been so long since i read this that's why i have to ask mike but like it's like they have a combat arena and uh, yeah, I know, like the the Marvel comics had combat arenas too, right? They they talked about that in the early, you know, Jim Shooter kind of treatments and all that other stuff. Like you can you can see it for like a panel or two in the Marvel comic, but it's not it's not touched upon at all. But in this, it's like again, it's much more I I feel like heavily focused on. But I feel like again, kind of what I described it as earlier. I kind of feel like it's just like sort of like Fight Club. And it was kind of like, you know, th- this whole distraction within a distraction within a distraction. Like, it wasn't something that was super serious. And I guess my point is, as opposed to IDW, it feels like it's there's a combat arena and gladiatorial games. But Megatron isn't quite Spartacus Megatron yet, where it's like he was this, you know, I guess in the IDW, you know, it was more like he was a minor. And then he got conscripted into gladiatory games. And it was all about how the Autobot Senate was corrupt. And, you know, basically he was breaking the shackles of tyranny and yada, yada, yada. You know, Jeff, so it's like Jeff Johnson. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And 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 so like that, you know, to me, I, I feel like this is it, it's the briefest of kind of, you know, it's like a flirtation, like you're briefly caressing somebody but you 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 haven't gone all the way with it yet you know it's just it's just it's something that is touched upon but but isn't isn't done in full force and then the other aspect that i noticed in this is i I find it very interesting because it seems like in most modern tellings of transformers in general uh, even ones that I really enjoy lately, whether it's IDW or Cyberverse or, you know, maybe it's the Bayformer movies, which I know nothing about, but like it, there's this very distinct, you know, Superboy Lex Luthor thing going on with Optimus and Megatron. Like they were the best of friends. They were good friends, but this war came between their friendship and they had these opposing ideologies. And, it, it, you know, if these two friends could have worked shit out, maybe they wouldn't have had a you know, four million year war and all this kind of stuff. But in this, I mean, I get the idea that they, they know one another. They're like aware of one another, but like, I don't get the idea that they were friends. No, like, they've, barely, so, they've, they've only heard of each other clearly. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of wanted to, uh, those were the two things that were foremost on my mind when I was reading this. And I just wanted to make sure with Mike, I was like, does that sound off to you? Or like, 
like or or do certain. No, you're right. Like okay. the, the whole Megatron and Optimus having a pre-existing relationship, like didn't really come to the fore until like probably like the first Bay movie, where it's like it's it's claimed they were like brothers, like before, like you know, all the shit went down or whatever. But and then you know every other Transformers continuity after that kind of went with that, where they were either best friends or comrades or or colleagues like before that. But no, but before this, like like it doesn't seem like yeah, like Megatron knows of him, but I don't think they've ever even met before. Like in this yeah, series, yeah. like yeah, it's a it sounds like it becomes the Clark Kent Lex Luthor Smallville scenario. Where Absolutely, they, yep, yeah. What about what about the combat arena stuff? Like, does that still sound above board? Yeah, I mean, like- the, the the arena stuff was in the Marvel comics. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean, that's Megatron as a gladiator has been done before. Like, but yeah, like I, I this reinforced that, and then they kind of expand on it a lot more. And like like you said, IDW and like other like continuities. Because because I think IDW is the first time where they kind of kind of what Shag said to put it in a simple vernacular. Like that was the first time they Jeff Johns. Megatron, right? Like, I mean, because before there there are references to gladiator matches, but it was never it, it was never done in in some kind of Spartacus light. Do you know what I mean? It was never like, oh, this is you know th- this guy is is leading a, a slave revolt. You know what I mean? Like, whereas now it, it feels like that's they, they just smack you in the face. You know what I mean? Like, what whatever it is, whether it's the Netflix show or or IDW, I mean, they 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 don't let you. Uh, not see that. Whereas in this, like, there, there's virtually zero. You know, whether it's this or the Marvel comics or whenever those gladiatorial games come up, like it's it's to me, it's more Fight Club than it is, you know, or or I don't know what else you want to call it. But it, it, there, there's less of that Spartacus aspect to it. You're right. Your your impression is not wrong. Okay. Okay. I I, I feel validated. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm happy I could validate you. But uh, I was going to say uh, possible, like, well, sort of continuity error in this one or like a retroactive continuity error. Um, and, and that first scene where Megatron's like sitting on his throne or whatever, you can see on one of the monitors uh, like a Cybertronized like Trypticon like rampaging around. But like the next war within series will establish that Trypticon was only recently like, you know, brought online. So like. You know, I think people have said, oh, this might have been just a prototype Trypticon or something. But, you know, it, it, at the time, it was a nice cameo. But, you know, hmm. well, what, what do you think about that panel next to that panel where Ravage is like totally sniffing Emirate Zeon's head or whatever? <laughs> like, he seems like super duper, super duper fascinated with. Maybe uh, he was the one who ate yeah. like Zeon's eyes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> I always so feel I, like my, I always feel like my cat's gonna murder me in my sleep and eat my eyes. So yeah, <laughs> he absolutely is going to. That, I mean, make no mistake, that will happen. Um, I, I do have one. My, my last note on this issue, uh, besides again, beautiful, stunning, uh, moves the story forward. I love it. Is on page, I guess it's sixteen. It's the double page spread where Optimus is on the left hand side is driving with. Uh, let's see, he's with uh, Ratchet and uh, Red Alert. They're on the way to rescue. So on the right. Uh, the the kind of curved panels on the right hand side there. One, two, three, four. The fourth one down. You know, Optimus has this vision of I guess Sentinel Prime, and he, that's what, at least that's what you said in the recap. You know, supposedly his warning: the seeds of destruction have already been sown under your feet. Where was that in the comic so far? Like, 
I, I think isn't that isn't that um, the Decepticon guy that melted himself? Yeah, that's uh, Dark. No, oh, Umbra. Yeah. the guy who oh, okay. like, bit down so on the see... capsule and his head was yep. like melting. Yeah, we did see that already. Okay, my mistake. The guy who went all scanners got it. All right. Yes, <laughs> scanners or guy. Or Poltergeist, or, or Raiders of Lost Ark. He, he, Raiders of Lost Ark. There, he melted. There we go. Okay. I thought anyway. it was. I thought it was funny, and I guess it, it's just Furman doing you know sort of character development thing. That like Prowl is the one to tell Prime like you're doing this based on calculations. Like this has got to come from like the gut, like the heart. Like and like Prowl is the one like telling him that. Like wow, that's like a you know a role reversal kind the, of. The, the logician is telling the data clerk to use heart. Yeah. Uh huh. And then I, I remember when I first read this issue, I was super excited by the cliffhanger because, like, Shockwave is like one of my favorite Decepticons. So, like, and, seeing him. And I, I think I'll, I'll go back to to this, but but or I'll, I'll probably mention it again when it comes up. But like, that's one of those like fun instances where uh, Don Figueroa didn't have to change up too much because Cyber, mm-hmm. you know, like basically Shockwave already has a Cybertronian mode, right? So he, you know, that that virtually stays untouched. And it, of course, makes perfect sense, especially if you're going by, well, I, I makes sense, whatever continuity you go by, but but even even more so if you go by the Sunbow, because, you know, he just chills on Cybertron for four million years and hangs at the, uh, you know, I don't know, the, the Cybertronian Grand Central Station, you know, waiting for people to space bridge in whenever they show up in an episode. So it's like there's no there's no reason for him to to have a changed design. I, I thought that was a great moment because, I mean, I, I always remembered the end of the original mini. Uh, well, I guess it was a miniseries, the issue four mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. you know, where he blasts everybody. Yep. And it's yep. like, whoa, who's this guy? And in the cover of issue five, that painted cover, it was like the first time I ever thought of Transformers like, that's like real art. That's not like comic book art. Whoa. So, so he's always had like a cool cachet to me, shockwave. And so seeing this was almost like echoing back to the end of issue four, like, Oh crap, this just got real. Isn't that, isn't there like something like that in, in this miniseries, the all are dead thing? Like, yeah. In the next issue, there's a, oh, okay. a little homage to that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sweet. But uh, speaking of that, but not not exactly next issue yet, but the next installment of this story is the preview issue. So mm. like, let me read the summary for that, and then we'll talk about that. Starscream and his pals drop in on Grimlock, brooding in an abandoned Coliseum in Kaon, where apparently Grimlock regularly defeated Starscream in the past. Starscream questions how Grimlock rejected Megatron's uprising, suspecting that some part of Grimlock still wants to be a Decepticon. Annoyed at Starscream's arrogance, Grimlock swats him away with a backhand. The other Seekers draw their weapons but are stopped by Starscream, who tells Grimlock, under protest by Skywarp, where his squadron's target is and invites Grimlock to Sector 06, suggesting that Grimlock give in to his dark urges to conquer and destroy. They leave a furious Grimlock to continue on with their mission. In a flashback, Grimlock... It says still a Decepticon at this time, but I think they mistakenly put a... You know, what Derek said, like a faction symbol on him, even though no one was probably in a faction at this point. Uh, Grimlock prepares for a... Yeah, it says... I mean, in the flashback, it says antebellum, so that that means before, like, the Civil War. Literally, so... 
Grimlock prepares for a gladiatorial match with Maul while being pestered by Starscream. Starscream tells Grimlock that some say he doesn't have the killer instinct and this information has reached Megatron. Grimlock grabs Starscream by the throat, causing him to backpedal and say this, that this opinion is not his own, but others. Grimlock releases him and leaves for the match as Starscream pays a bribe to Emirate Zeon. In the match, poor Maul is quite outmatched and soon has his head cracked open by Grimlock's fist and his chest sliced open by his Energos sword. In the present, the Seekers arrive at Sector 06. Oddly, it is deserted. They find a voice recording by Grimlock stating that he evacuated the station and left a present for the group, a bomb. Skywarp warps his teammates out seconds before the bomb explodes. So yeah, that was the team, the the preview story, and like, like I, again, I remember going to the store and getting like I think I got the last copy of this on the shelf because I guess it was like you know really anticipated and super popular at the time. So like I, I remember being relieved that I grabbed the very last copy of it off the shelf and uh this was the beginning of the like some almost the beginning of the hype train I, I thought the story was amazing like the art was great like Furman's art uh, writing was as good as ever I, I remember you know looking there's there's a bunch of like uh uh pre uh what was I gonna say uh concept art by Figueroa mm-hmm. like yeah showcasing like all some of the designs he did and there was like a, a an interview with uh, Furman and uh, Figueroa at the end that like, you know, really showcased their enthusiasm for this whole thing. And yeah, just this. So I was like fully aboard the hype train at this point. And this this issue certainly uh, this issue made me a lot more excited for like the prospect of this series than like the like, let's say, like the origin, the other the generation one preview issue. Mm, did. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there was no like stupid, you know, Lazarus guy like making his origami swan in the uh snow or whatever <laughs> that's that, that's so. the that's the price you pay when shit's not set on cybertron you yeah. gotta deal with origami swans and yeah crap, so. <laughs> but did did you guys get this issue like first or did you only acquire it later or what god man i i have like zero i mean i i remember the preview but i have zero memory of whether i got this before or like was there like a dreamwave special that had other previews in it or something uh maybe okay. yeah like it, I, I don't know i i seemed i i feel like i i mean because i was like thinking to myself i'm all i couldn't have paid 295 for just this could i like like i i feel like there were other things in like that there were other previews like other short previews like not you know how this is part of the story, but not in the miniseries. Like, I feel like I read like you know four page previews for. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Stuff. They they were. I'm looking it up now. They released like a few months before this. They released a like preview special, which had four page previews okay. of various Dreamwave comics. Oh, okay, okay. The first I was like, four pages. I, was like, yeah. I didn't. I didn't pay three dollars just for this, right? Like, I was <laughs> like I, but but um, I, I was gonna say I think this one is. Pro- I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this or not like like maybe you you love all of them or whatever but i i think i think this one is probably my favorite cover i think if i had to pick one like i i just oh, really? really like the way starscream looks and everything yeah so starscream looks great but there's for me there's no beating cover number one with the gatefold okay. fold out and okay. that's just that's poster worthy this looks great and it, it's a great you know sort of impression you really get the sense of starscream the contemplation but that number one's my favorite 
I, I like the cover, but I, I don't know what's going on with Starscream's, like, leg. Like, why is he, like, kneeling in midair, like, almost? Like, you see what I mean? Like, I, I don't uh, know if you have a picture of the cover in front of you, but, like, mm-hmm. Starscream's just kind of, like, kneeling in midair or something? Like, maybe, maybe, maybe he's supposed I, to I be think, hovering I think maybe, or... I think maybe there's something that he's kneeling on, but we just don't see it, but... Or maybe you know, he's like, sitting and he's just, like, he likes to shove his foot underneath his butt. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Yeah, he's doing a sexy pose. That's right. So I, I got a question about the preview. Like, my, I don't remember to answer your question whether I got it first or after. I, I'm going to assume I would have got it when it came out. Probably I wouldn't have done any back issue hunting, so I probably would have got it when it came out. But um, the thing I remember about this, and maybe this goes back to the Marvel comics, and I'm just an idiot. I don't know. But I was like, whoa, Grimlock used to be a Decepticon, or he was a bad guy. You know, hung out with the bad guys. That blew my mind. Uh, and again, maybe that's been long established and I'm just stupid. Maybe it was in the cartoons and I don't remember it. But either way, I was blown away by that in this when I read it here. So is this is this a new concept introduced here or is that like old hat and I'm just an idiot? No, you're you're not wrong to be like, you know, I think this is like Grimlock's, you know, Furman's Grimlock, at least, has always been a like, you know, rebel without a cause, like, you know, like anti-hero sort of. You know, it wouldn't be surprising for him to be have like, you know, ally with. And I mean, even cartoon Grimlock, like allied with the Decepticons temporarily at some points. But that was only because he was dumb. Like this Grimlock, mm-hmm. like, you know, has a you know problem with authority. You know, you know, what are you rebelling against? Like, what do you got? Like, yeah. But this this was probably the first time like it was kind of explicitly said that he was like, you know, one of Megatron's like cronies or something at some point. Okay, so I didn't imagine. Good. I I also kind of thought about I I I think this miniseries was the best that that exploration of Grimlock flirting with uh, potentially a a Decepticon allegiance was done because I I I don't know. It's been a while since I read all the the Dreamwave G one stuff, but I feel like they 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 did it much more. Uh, they did it way less subtly in in those other Dreamwave series. Like, the, isn't there like some arc where he's like, "Me Grimlock Decepticon now" or whatever? The yeah, the, I, the Generation One yeah, arc yeah, yeah, that we yeah, talked yeah. about last. Yeah. Time. yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, but that did did this this came out? I'm trying to remember. This came out after that or in concurrence with that? Like, very close to it. Like, I yeah. think so. Because like, I, I think. I, uh, my memory of it was that, that moment in the Generation One Dreamwave thing bothered me, but this did not. Do you know? What I, does that make sense? Like, I like the yeah. way uh-huh. I like the way it was executed here, and not the way it was executed outside of this miniseries. Yeah. The, the, the only other thing I was going to ask you guys, because this is, I, I feel like it's open to interpretation, but may, maybe it's not. But do you think? Grimlock uh, gave in to Starscream's prodding in the flashback? Like, do you think he killed Maul, or do you think he just banged him up enough? Like, you know how the whole discussion was, oh, Megatron's got his eye on you, but he sees, like, you're weak, you don't go in for the killing blow. Like, did he kill Maul in that instance, or, or did he, you know, kind of just totally destroy him, but not you know, basically not deliver the killing blow again. 
Because I don't, I don't know that that's. I mean, is is the idea supposed to be that like he totally crushed his head in beyond repair, or is it just like he's you know kind of like ow, like that really hurts, but he can he can get he can be repaired or something. I'll let Mike go first. I have a very distinct opinion though. Okay. I don't. I, uh, I I'm not sure really. Like I, I maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I think you know the point is. That, like, you know, Grimlock obviously has a need to, like, you know, hurt people, and that's probably what drew him to the arenas or whatever, and possibly, you know, he was probably scouted by Megatron as a possible, you know, recruit or whatever, but... And and Starscream loves needling people who he thinks might, you know, be Megatron's like favorite, new favorite or something. So maybe Starscream, like, you know, Starscream obviously gets pleasure from baiting him, too. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think you could take it either way. Like, I, I think worse than anything, Grimlock hates being under someone's thumb. So maybe, you know, maybe that look he has when he's standing over Maul's like defeated body is either disgust that he let himself be baited by Starscream or, you know, thinking that like, no, I'm not going to kill him because that's what they expect me to do or whatever. Totally killed him. And, and here's why. Is because I think what Furman's trying to set up is saying that Starscream has a long history of manipulating Grimlock in this story. So it, it, Starscream's completely confident that he's manipulated Grimlock in the present again. He's like, yeah, I got this guy. You know, I totally know how to play him. So I think what they're trying to show is that Starscream did play him in the past successfully. So when Grimlock doesn't follow the the strings he's pulling this time, it's like shocking. Like, whoa, no, you know, Grimlock's learned. Look at that. So yeah, I think he totally killed the dude. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think kinda... I, I I think I was I was unclear, and I, I I think your explanation seems the most logical to me. So. Yeah, that that's probably dramatically like that as a storytelling mechanic that probably works the best. Yeah. yeah. And I am the Transformers expert on this call. So <laughs> <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> No, I agree with that. Like, I was unsure, but I like your explanation. Like, I think that, yeah. like, as as pure dramatic, like, storytelling mechanics go, that that totally works. Do you guys have anything else to say about this preview well, story? Just, or? just a general question. So if you read this preview in and of itself, which is nice because it is kind of a self-contained story, which you don't often get in a preview. Um I, I, it's a beta question. I already know the answer. But would this preview, if you read it in and of itself, would this be enough to get you to buy the series? Yep. I mean, like, it's hard to say because you know I, I was going to buy any Transformers content they put out. But like, right. yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah, I feel like you're asking like, uh, it's like Fox. Would you go into the hen house and <laughs> eat the hens? It's like, and the fox is like poofing out feathers and going um let me think about that like, it's like what like, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> as i said I, I probably know the answer already so okay obviously it was enough to get me i mean i like you said i, I was probably in anyway because i was on the pat lee super strain superstar train anyway so uh i was probably in but uh i i think it was a great little self-contained story it was enough to make me go oh i want to i want to see where this goes yeah, it it is pretty cool. I mean, it it does. You know, it, it's cool seeing Grimlock. You know, I mean, I I, I think, like I said, at, at some point, th- th- this miniseries is fine. Don't get me wrong, this miniseries is fine. But at some point, Grimlock really does become, you know, the the bat god, bat dick, 
Grant Morrison Batman with as much fan aura is is like lavished upon him. Do you know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not at that point yet. Like this is still fine for me where I'm like, look, uh, you know, Starscream needled him and manipulated him and whatever in the past. But now he's he's turned it on its head and he's got the one up on the guy and, you know, and, and, and you know, me Grimlock badass, like all, all that stuff. But you know, at, at some point, it kind of for me, it, it's like everything else. It's like sometimes that stuff like gets out of hand, where you're like, you're like, all right, like Wolverine, like slowly walking his way to Jean Grey, uh, you know, getting incinerated while his leather pants stay on. Like that's that's too much. That's a bridge too far. You know. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of threes, uh, let's move on to issue three. After being defeated at Sector 06 due to information Starscream thought was a good idea to leak to Grimlock, Starscream questions the sadism of Megatron's operation. Skywarp and Thundercracker leave, blaming the whole incident on Starscream. On Megatron's orders, Soundwave, Ravage, and the three Insecticons hunt Optimus Prime through caves deep beneath the surface. Alone and wandering the tunnels, a translucent image of Optimus Prime emerges from a yellow pool. The mysterious mirror Optimus tells the real Optimus that there's something greater going on, greater forces at play. Before vanishing, the image points out, to op- points out that Prime is about to be attacked by Ravage. Optimus quickly overpowers Ravage into a retreat, but now his location is known by his enemies. Shockwave continues to lead the Decepticon army against Iacon. From the High Council pavilions, Jazz and the other Autobots manage the defensive efforts, questioning why the Decepticons are attacking at their strongest location. Prowl suspects it's part of a greater strategy. Starscream approaches Megatron, asking for an explanation. Megatron answers by revealing his vision of a mobile Cybertron and that the war is to disguise Megatron's plan to restart the planet's engines. Also, the attack on Iacon it was to disguise the effort to capture Optimus Prime and acquire the key to knowing the truth about Cybertron's history and destiny, the Matrix. As Megatron explains the plan to the skeptical Starscream, Prime fights off the Decepticon sent to capture him. When Starscream points out how Prime evaded containment, Megatron departs, leaving Starscream with a warning to remember his place. Grimlock receives a radio transmission from Prowl with a new mission. While the Autobot army regroups away from Iacon, Grimlock is to assemble his regular team and recover Optimus Prime. Optimus, having escaped Soundwave, comes face to face with Megatron for the first time. The two meet on a bridge across a hole deep into Cybertron, but before they can begin combat with each other, Starscream blasts the bridge, sending Optimus and Megatron falling even deeper within. To be continued. There's that word again. Within. Yeah, within. They yes. use it a lot. Well, it makes sense. Uh huh. It's an arc word. Yes, but yeah. So, like, I know you're. you're we're still. Uh, we're still kind of kicking ass here. Like, I, I rereading this. Like again. Like I. Like I said with the first issue. I. I was. I was. I haven't reread War Within in probably a few years. I was. I'm still like you know tickled that this still holds up to me for the most part and like. Yeah, like I, I think, you know, again, like uh, continuing from last issue's uh, cliffhanger, like I was like pleased as punch to see like Shockwave, like large and in charge, leading the attack on Iacon and shit with like a, you know, a army of, uh, 
I think like mostly second year Decepticons, like the the Conehead Seekers and the Deluxe Insecticons and uh, some of the Combaticons and stuff. So like that was really cool. Like, and then you know you got Optimus Prime doing his like one man army thing, like taking out you know Shock and uh, Soundwave and his team too. So like this was a pretty action heavy issue, and like I thought it was pretty awesome. But what about you guys? I, I think you overlooked the best part. Shag's talking about Dark Knight Return references. Uh, I'm going to say the moment when Megatron pimp slaps Starscream is the best moment in the entire <laughs> issue. He just does a pimp slap and then Starscream is on his ass. Like that was that that for me was the best part. Going back to Shockwave, like he is large and in charge, but I, I do think it's interesting. Like this is something where it leans more towards to me. The, the Sunbow version because he says he says I shockwave claim Iacon in the name of Megatron and the Decepticons and so I'm like oh it's Megatron first right so you could tell this is more to me that's a clear indicator this version is more loyal to Megatron and um, I, I noticed like if you look at that um, I guess it's the double page splash, but I think uh, it's probably on page eight. But if you look at the the panel with Blitzwing turning into a tank, you'll you'll see your reference to Transformers Five cover. It's the if you look on the building yeah, where the all Autobot symbol, yeah. all are dead. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. that's cool! I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's great. That picture of uh, Shockwave is just so badass. I mean, it's like, hey, we're going to take pink and purple and make it look effing cool. And <laughs> it just looks great. He looks yeah. so with a single eye. And, oh, God, I just, I love it. I love it. And Derek, Shockwave's just biding his time at this point. Dude, what, what, he says in the name of Megatron. He's of course. Because so Megatron is watching this and he's like, oh man, that shockwave is a stand-up guy. <laughs> I think I'll give him a dagger and then turn my back to him. <laughs> See? Yeah, that's, Mike's that's, got it. Exactly right. That's that's what I do to all the stand-up guys. Like, here's exactly. a dagger. Megatron's yeah. going to be like, at two, shockwave, ah, you know. It's... Dude, I'm sorry. If Megatron gave a stand-up guy a dagger, he'd give him that one-eyed stare that Megatron gives Starscream. He'd just stare him down, and the guy would drop the dagger and run away. So you talked about uh, Starscream. Like, I do love Starscream in this issue because he's a total dick. And the betrayal is, like, so clearly coming. And when he shoots out the uh, the bridge that they're standing on, it's just like, oh, that's the shockwave I was waiting for. I'm not, I'm not sorry, not shockwave. Sorry, star green. It's like, oh, that's the star scream I'm waiting for. There it is. I love that moment he betrays them. That is absolutely fantastic. And he just gets crazier from here. I, I do have to apologize, by the way. Earlier, when we were talking about issue two, I mentioned that Megatron planned the whole uprising just to distract from the planet engines. That actually is revealed in this issue, this issue, not the previous one. Sorry, I got that a little mixed out of order. But and and by the way, Megatron's uh, asymmetrical chest unit. How cool is that? It looks so cool. <laughs> it's certainly unique to like Megatron's because I feel like aside from War Within Megatron's design, like like all future like pre pre-earth cybertronian megatron designs they go back to the like the flat 
chest with the, mm. the, you know the zigzag logo or whatever in between with a Decepticon symbol in between. But the, 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 the Charlie Brown, yeah, uh, the Charlie Brown logo. squiggle, <laughs> the, the, whatever, the, yeah. the Hostess cupcake uh, swirl, the chest hair Megatron, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, you know, the the other thing, too, I, I'm going to keep pointing out because I, I think there are all these strong nods to Sunbow, which is why I think if you take this by itself, like there there you, you could certainly try to, you know, snug it into that continuity until it goes off and does its own thing. But I, I feel like this is the moment where the, the moment where you, you go from data clerk, you know, Orion packs or Optotronic packs or whatever, and you go to like John Wayne Optimus Prime from the Sunbow cartoon that everybody listens to and everybody you know does what what he says to do. Like it's that moment where he says, "If you have something to say to me, Megatron, say it in person." And he like <laughs> smacks the thing. Like by then, like like I mean, I don't know that there's like a hell of an arc because they were doing this kind of thing, but it's like by to me by then he's Optimus Prime. Like, by then, he's already made the decision, like, we're not going off planet anymore. Like, like, the, the, uh, and it's kind of funny to me, too, because th- there is that there is that thing where it's like, oh, you were all ready to leave and, and it wasn't a big deal, but now that now that the uh, uh, weirdo-looking Ravage has assaulted you and he sent all these assassins after you, now that he's personally, like, tried to have you killed, now it's personal, <laughs> you know? Like, so I'm, like, kind of cracks me up, but 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 it is it is very Optimus Prime. Oh, I totally heard. Uh, oh, my gosh. It, wait, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, Cullen. Thank you. I, starting in this issue, I absolutely heard Peter Cullen's voice. Uh, I really did. In, in those moments you just described. It's fantastic. I liked when Optimus did like the RoboCop like move when he burst through the wall and grabbed him. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good fight scene. And like, like I, I like, you know, you know, you've got like Soundwave and Ravage and then you got like the three Insecticons and stuff. And like I like again, Don Figueroa is brilliant. Like I love the little touches he does like where like shrapnel, like, you know, shrapnel controls electricity and he always draws shrapnel with a little ball of electricity, like pulsing between his antenna. Like that's mm-hmm. such a cool like touch. I, I didn't know who that character was, but he looks awesome and like that. Yeah, he really does. So I, I got a question here. So um, all right, Optimus says, uh, second to the last page, he goes, uh, the Matrix, yes, I never knew until now down here. I can feel it like a living presence of voice from prehistory, right? And he gets visions and stuff later on, right? So just keep track of that because at the end of the comic, he says something about these visions and this this voice he's hearing underground that I'm totally like, what? He got that from that? So uh, just something to bear in mind as we move forward here. Yeah, we'll keep it in mind because it, it. Yeah, I mean, I think later in later issues, I'll have things to say about that as well. But overall, another great issue. Great fights. Moves it along. Uh, well worth my two ninety five or whatever it was at this point. Yeah, yeah. it's like there's not a lot to say about it because I think yeah. we all like it so much at this point. Yeah, so. Well, it's, it's continuing everything we already talked about, too. I mean, we spent yeah. a lot of time talking about the setup and all these things that we love and the art. And so we've already established all that. So, yeah, I did the one last thing. And it, it, it's related to like the visions and whatever like that. The, I, I, I think it's a good gag, too, when um 
the 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 mirror image of himself like talks to him and he's like oh do you have any advice and he's like just two like two words like behind you like you know it's <laughs> it's ravage like i thought that was a cute little bit but i mean that that's a cool ravage design i mean at least like in the sense that to me it looks weird but i think it should look weird because i always thought the cybertronian mode for laser beak looked weird and more than meets the eye and i feel like he's he figaro is trying to transplant the feel of that onto ravages design yeah he kind of it kind of looks like he merged like rumble and frenzy's chest with like ravages beast arms or mm. something because like because in even ravage has like the two little guns that rumble and frenzy have usually have on their backs too so but yeah and anything else about this issue or shall we move on to number four let's, let's do, move on let's do it all right war the war within issue four after falling down the deep chasm, Optimus Prime lies unconscious. When he's awakened by a magical, disembodied voice telling him about Cybertron, he wonders whatever happened to Megatron. Prime makes another attempt at looking within himself when Megatron arrives onto the scene. He attacks, hoping to get the Autobot leader to surrender the Matrix of Leadership. At the Tritorus Loop, Grimlock meets up with his running crew and begins to explain his plan to let the Decepticons conquer Iacon while his it should be the plan I don't think it was his plan but uh, while the Autobot army scatters taking out the Decepticons who expect the Autobots to be too busy defending their capital meanwhile Grimlock's crew used lines to go downward where Optimus Prime was last seen in Megatron's absence Starscream takes the, his throne at Kaon and appoints himself Decepticon leader. The takeover doesn't sit right with Shockwave, but he's too busy leading the Decepticon army against Guardian robots to challenge the change in leadership. Shockwave makes it clear, however, that they will discuss the situation after he succeeds in leveling Iacon and winning a ma major military victory. Taking information from Laserbeak, Starscream verifies Megatron's belief about Cybertron having a deeper geography. However, Starscream plans to use this hidden aspect of Cybertron in a radically different manner than Megatron intended. Megatron battles Optimus Prime, explaining how he needs the Matrix as a component in his make Cybertron into a mobile dreadnought plan. Prime isn't such a fan of that idea. The two battle, and Megatron gains the upper hand, cracking open Me Prime's chest to seize the Matrix. The Matrix casts a blinding flash, and when the light fades, Optimus and Megatron find themselves somewhere different. Dun, 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 dun. To be continued. Somewhere different that looks like Denver. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what is this place? It looks awful. <laughs> it's probably uh, Oregon, right? Yeah, that's what I, yeah, Oregon, that's the, what I meant. The Hoover yes. Dam, yeah, wherever yeah, the yeah. Hoover Dam is. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, I have very simple things for this because it, it, maybe Shaggy will appreciate this, but since it's installment four of a six part thing, it's a lot of the, you know, the doctor running down the halls with jelly babies or whatever. But <laughs> my, 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 my three things are uh, I love the first panel of Megatron transforming on page eight. That's like my favorite panel in the whole thing. Uh, Megatron and uh, him attacking, you know, as I described, you know, making actual attacks on Optimus Prime's person. Uh, it's on page 18. I think my, my favorite is like, 
You have a way of making everything crystal clear, Megatron. Right. You know, like that's <laughs> that's you know, so that that totally felt like Optimus Prime. And then of course, like we discussed the whole, you know, kind of Hoover Dam nod again. I, I mean I, I suppose like we, we can get into this more in the next issue, but like that that's something that felt very um sunbow oriented to me. But but I'll talk more about that maybe in the next issue. I love the shot of uh, Starscream sitting with his legs crossed, like so casually. You know, it's a giant two-page spread, and he's all across the center. And he's just like, hmm. I, I just it it's it's exactly what I want to see from Starscream. You know, relaxed, sitting on a throne, being a total prick, knowing that by the end of the story he's going to get bumped off of it. That's exactly where I want Starscream to be. That's that's always like what my my college uh, acting professor would talk about it's like if you were the king right like like a lot a lot of people fell into that trap of i'm the king and you have to be all like stoic and like like you know fit in the throne and like you know try to be rigid like the throne and and you know the thing was like dude no man you can do whatever you want you're the king like you got to be comfortable and just be like this is my throne you know like that's that that was one of those things where it's like especially for the type of character starscream is that that especially works right because he's he's quick to be comfortable in in someone else's throne right mm-hmm. so so I got an art, que- uh, not question, I just got an art comment I got to make. This cracked me up every time I look at it. It's on, I guess it's page 19. Um, it's right before the end of the story. You know, Megatron and, and Optimus are battling. It's, uh, the bottom panel is like this giant lightning crack as Optimus, I'm sorry, as Megatron cracks open the Matrix, right? But at the very top, you're seeing the back of Optimus driving around, and he's got like a hot, sexy female droid or, or, or transformer it's, on his mud flap it's it's alita one it's his girlfriend is it really yeah yeah, yeah but uh-huh. if 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 you had well i guess alita one's not heavily featured in war dawn but she is in war dawn if you okay. guys do a saturday morning fever on it but then what, what's where the have other, i heard I'm, that suggestion <laughs> i don't know i don't know what's i'm trying to remember what's the episode with all the um the fembots i can't remember now Oh, the the search for Alpha Trion. Search for Alpha Trion, like that. That Alita One is featured, and then it's like Power Glide, Ironhide, and Inferno come with Optimus back to Cybertron, and they they all have kind of corresponding, uh, you know, uh, uh, girls that were waiting for them back home. Basically, you know, oh you had uh, you had Moon Racer and and um, I can't remember now. Firestar and Firestar Chromia. And Chromia. Okay. But he had to put it on his mud flap. I mean, that's just hysterical <laughs> to me. My my favorite Megatron line in this is uh, "When in doubt, blow a big hole in something." <laughs> you know what's funny? Like even though even though I hated all of those uh, Machidima fucking things or whatever, like that moment reminded me of those because it was like that the one the one guy that was the redeeming thing and watching all of those with you guys on this show was their portrayal of Megatron. And I could see that version of it kind of, I, I could see that voice actor delivering that, you know, line about, you know, when there's a, uh, you know, blow a hole in it, you know, whatever. So I thought that was pretty cool. Speaking of female Autobots, you can see one inside like Iacon, like in one of those like panels where they show like, you know, the Autobots like f- defending their home or whatever. And, and this, even, this, though, even though she's not named in this, uh, I, I have something prepared for Shag. Do, do you want to know what her name is? 
Hotatron? No, her, her name is Phelps. <laughs> what? Her name, yeah. I can't make out what you're saying. <laughs> Vibes. Oh, no way. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. She was a Don Figueroa like original creation, but she like she and she cameos here, but she actually has a minor like support role in the current comics. Oh, wow. is the is it the red and white one with the literal headlights? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. I I actually don't have a lot of comments on this issue, I, and not because yeah, there's a problem with it. It's just it's it's more of love you know like i can continue to gush on how badass everything looks but we've said it all so it looks it's, great it's and it's it's mostly a fight scene issue mm-hmm. i mean optimus and megatron had their like first one-on-one fight and i think it's pretty good like i think it's you know again don figaro is a great storyteller there's never there was never a point where i couldn't tell what was happening mm-hmm. like I, I love some of those shots he uses. Like, you know, when you see the, you know, Alita one bobblehead inside Prime's like cab or whatever. Like, I love that shot, like a Megatron, like leaping at him from inside. You see it from inside Prime's cab. Trying to find that it's, page. Where am I going it's here? It's on uh, page 18. Okay. So if you, if you look at the third panel, like it's got those kind of, I don't know, crooked. Oh, panels. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, okay. So the little bobble that's also who that's also alita one is yeah he's got the little Uh, bobble head of her in there too that's awesome i didn't even notice that angle that it was through the windshield that's cool okay really nice also like if if you're reading the individual issues like uh starscream's like sort of like little gang of like you know treacherous guys like they're all horribly miscolored in this issue but they were all the colors were corrected for the trade but like starscream's little gang like uh is motormaster swindle run amok and runabout yeah motormaster is the one like holding laser beak i was just gonna say i agree they're they're horribly colored yeah, they're they're all miscolored. Yeah, that that thankfully all that was corrected in the trade, so I appreciate that. But but like I, that's a good like Furman Furman knows his characters too. Like I feel like all those characters are guys that are like yeah, like let's let's you know Starscream could probably like con all of them into like following him basically, and well Swindle's probably like yeah yeah like I see where the wind's blowing like yeah like this will be profitable. You also like next to Vibes. You also see Broadside in in Iacon. Like he's the giant guy with the is axe. that the guy with the axe? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. He's usually in, you know, they usually broadside. They he's like his toy was a normal size toy, but in a lot of media, they draw broadside as being an absolutely huge guy because he turns like at least on Earth, he turns into an aircraft carrier. So, jeez, okay, yeah. that's an expensive toy. Yeah, well, he, he not really. They usually like the yeah. toy usually like is the same size as everyone else. So he turns into like an aircraft carrier that could basically be a surfboard for other toys. Basically, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. All I have yeah. to say about this issue, because it's a pretty it's a lean issue in terms of like story content, I guess. Like everything advances a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a crit- just because we don't have a lot to say. It's not a criticism. It, uh, it does exactly what it needs to do. It gets yep. you in. It tells an exciting story. And it's more the amazing arts, more the great plot. All the characters are dead on. I mean, you've got Starscream scheming. You've got Megatron trying to, you know, kill Prime. You've got Prime trying to do the right thing. Everyone's in the right place. Everyone's acting the right way. It's great. 
Shag, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with like Omega Supreme, but like you see those like giant robots that are defending Iacon. Like those are like you know Omega Supreme like body types. Like so, you're talking like on page fifteen, the, the the guy with like the 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 big purple one with the the mm-hmm. laser for a head. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at him and I was like, is, I figured it was some like Devastator kind of combination that I just didn't know. Yeah, they're they're called like guardian robots, or I think they call them in this series like Omega Sentinels, and like and and if you do an episode of War Dawn on Saturday Morning Fever, you will see more guardian robots. <laughs> okay, thank you for that tip. But they're basically like you mentioned. You, <laughs> you mentioned like uh, X Men earlier, like Sentinels. They're basically like Sentinels, but they work for the good guys more or less in this. So like nice. Yeah. Always a good thing. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah, let's move on to uh, issue five, because I think if I remember correctly, issue five is my favorite issue of this entire series. So as Grimlock's team descends deeper into Cybertron, Cup makes casual conversation, questioning Grimlock's attitude. Grimlock, of course, just reasserts that he's a badass. Following Optimus Prime's energy signature, they discover one of Megatron's planetary turbines. Adapting the plan, Grimlock orders the rest of his team to sabotage whatever the Decepticons are up to. At Iacon, Shockwave delivers a killing blow to two Guardian robots, giving the Decepticons a clear path to the remaining last core of Iacon. From their staging ground in the Decagon, Prowl and his teammates prepare to make their final stand. Inside of a vision from the Matrix, Optimus Prime and Megatron witness future incarnations of themselves battling at some mysterious alien location. When not-future Megatron continues his attack on not-future Optimus, the scenery again realigns itself further into the future, where Headmasters and Targetmasters continue the war on another alien planet. After another shift, the two arrive back in the present, but the Matrix teleports Optimus to Grimlock. Grimlock gives Optimus his sword, suggesting the Autobot leader take more active measures in dealing with Megatron. Starscream, planning to destroy everything on Cybertron's surface, disregards Scrapper's warnings about how the turbines function. Ironhide, Cup, and Wheeljack overhear the plan, but are discovered by two Constructicons. With the plot discovered, Starscream activates the engine beneath Iacon. As Shockwave stands victorious at Iacon, the Autobot's capital city is suddenly devastated by superheated plasma. To be continued. This was my favorite issue, I think, of the entire series, just because, like, I don't think there's, like, a weak scene in it, basically. Like, I think all of the, like, you know, it leaps from strength to strength. Like, I love the whole, um... I mean, and Derek was talking about it earlier, like, you know, Grimlock has tons of fan aura, but I love that whole discussion he has with like Cup about, you know, like Cup's trying to like, you know, get to the root of him. Like, you know, come on, man. Like, what's what's your whole like deal? huh? And, you know, Grimlock eventually just, you know, cuts through all the bullshit and says me Grimlock badass. (laughs) And I mean, like when when I first read this and I remember it like on message boards and stuff like people are all like, ha. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of cheesy, but like it, I think it works. Like I think it still kind of like holds up somehow. So, well, he's echoing the other guy, which is why it works. Because the other yeah. guy said, you know, I get it. Grimlock's a badass, so he just says, yeah, you know, he's his way of going. You're right, I am. Yeah, 
It's a great little scene. And yeah, because it's showing it's it's very much the Wolverine of the no one's gonna get my respect kind of thing. Yeah, and then then you've got like again, Shockwave, one of my favorite characters, getting his own badass moment. You know, he transforms to his space gun mode and destroys two Omega Sentinels at the same time. Yeah. One shot right through the one chest. shot right through the yep. through the body. Yeah. Jeez. And then um, another scene I love is the I call it like the scene of the 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 page of Furman grunts. And it's just Grimlock like making various grunting noises as he like, you know, he finds he's tracking down Optimus Prime. And he's like, hur, 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 hur. like so, so right. that, that he, now he's getting the uh, the Rorschach fan around that that those yeah, panels. Uh-huh. See, that's what, okay, so the two things that went through my mind, exactly, I thought about Rorschach, but I also thought about uh, Damien, Damien Wayne, does uh, that little TT oh, yeah, thing t- all the time. Uh-huh. So I was like, is is that a thing that everyone does, and I'm just not aware of it? Like, because it's like, I read a Damien Wayne comic recently, so I'm like, maybe that's around everywhere, and I just don't it's, see it. it. It's probably Grimlock getting more and more British, you know, like Simon Furman and Grant Morrison probably <laughs> yeah. doing that. <laughs> thing you know like that's that's probably more of a british thing than anything else just like uh probably rorschach on her or whatever is probably the same thing but i think it just becomes you know part of the, the the collective right like the more you read stuff like that then it becomes more universal than than uh i don't know regional or specific or whatever all right Fair and enough. Th- then you got my my all time favorite character, Prowl, like giving an actual like good motivational like. Sp- usually, Prowl isn't known for being like you know in- inspirational and stuff, but I think he d- gives a pretty badass like you know this is our last stand, so let's like make it count like speech. Is that the one with all the guns? Yeah, that's the yeah, one with all the guns. Uh-huh. Yeah, like yep. that, That's that's what I took away from that scene. Is that's a lot of guns. <laughs> uh, it's a good speech. Agreed. So I, I got a question. Well, it's interesting. We spent a little bit of time talking about this issue, but we haven't really addressed the flashback stuff, which or a flash forward or however you want to look at it. Like, uh, is that as an outsider, is it awesome to see all that? Because it kind of was for me. Or is it more like, is that too much fan service? So I, put no, the question I, you guys. I, I think those were my favorite parts of this whole issue. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I One, I think, you know, I, I mean, you, you can make the argument that it doesn't vindicate me, but I, I feel like it vindicates me like like the the Sherman Dam, like, you know, or Hoover Dam or whatever. Right. Like that's the, the, that dam and the, you know, the Electro Mason Electro Axe like that's very, very very like more than meets the eye first three-parter sunbow cartoon yeah now now you can make the argument okay in the uk comics they tried to replicate some of that stuff and there is a uk marvel comic where they use the axe and the mace and they fight at a dam so you could easily argue like no derek you're wrong that doesn't prove anything about a tie to sunbow you know that's that's the old marvel uk comics that Furman's referencing because he worked on those and yada 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 but but for me, like, I mean, the first thing I think of is the three part more than meets the eye when you see that image and, and the way Figueroa draws them, especially I, I think that's the other reason why that works is because of the redesigns. Right. Because because it, it it's 
it, 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 it works. They get to have their cake and eat it, too, because mm-hmm. you, you get to have a redesign, and it's new and fresh and everything, and now you've been into it for five issues, and you've become accustomed to it, and now they splash the water in your face of, look, here's the old G1 you know, Sunbow designs that you love and remember so much, and you're like, whoa, that's totally cool. And then for me, like, I, I mean, I, I think... Uh, you know, outside of certain original Autobots, like everybody knows, I love Hot Rod, and 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 I do really like Fortress Maximus as well. So that that flash forward even further to to Nebulos and that whole thing, like that 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 to me is my favorite page in the whole like the the entire miniseries, just because I'm I'm super partial to those characters and everything. And then I think the the only other thing, again, I'm going to keep going back to this you know, Sunbow thing, but it, it's, it's shown up a little earlier, but I think it's, it's pretty prominent in, in issue five uh, here and, and the next issue as well, like Wheeljack's alt mode is very much like his Sunbow alt mode and more than meets the eye. He's just kind of a hover car with some, the some box black, van. Yeah. The box van with the, the windshields. I mean, you could see it on, I don't know, like page 23 and mm-hmm. i think it's on like an earlier page i think it's um, on 19 yeah yeah 19 as well yeah you got it so it's like it's like that to me it's like again goes back to the whole you know sound wave shock wave thing like you know if it's not broke you know don't fix it like you still have the you know the the lamp posts that or whatever you want to call them street lights that sound wave turns into in the the uh, the Transformers pilot and and you still have the Cybertronian gun that the Shockwave turns into and there's there's no real need to change you know Wheeljack's alt mode or or even to, to some degree you know Bumblebee's alt mode too right there's there's no reason because they, they those kind of look similar whereas you know some of those alt modes he had to come up with something totally brand new right well shouldn't Cups have been the same because didn't Cup never have a Earth mode or did he yeah, like he had a he had a pickup yeah. truck, a Cybertronian pickup truck originally, and here he kind of it almost looks like Figaro was going with like Blur's alternate mm. mode for a mm. cup, like okay. a, like kind of yeah. sleek car, like sort of maybe maybe it's just to show that Cup's a little younger here, like I don't know, but yeah, he changes as he gets older, kind of thing. I mean, there's no yeah. reason. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, we all buy new houses and new clothes, so why wouldn't a a, a Transformer want to you know get a new mode? And in fact, the the most uh, oh, I actually no, I think it's the next issue. He says this. Well, well I'll just say it now, so I don't forget. But uh, the most cup line in this whole series, I feel like, is when uh, I, I think it's it's probably at the beginning of the next issue. But someone's like, you know, Wheeljack or Ironheart's like, oh, did you hear that? And he's like, of course I heard it. Like my audio receptors may be old, but they're yeah. still functional. Like you know, exactly. Totally heard uh, the voice actor on that. Was that who was the voice actor for Cup in the movie? Uh, Lionel Standard. Yeah, it's funny. Like, regardless of who it was, in my head, it's Ernest Borgnine, because <laughs> <laughs> that's just like who would play Cup in a if he was human it would be Ernest Borgnine in the in the late eighties. You know, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you kids know me best as Sergeant Fatso Judson in From Here to Eternity. Yay! So uh, you know, obviously that, that I had to ask about the fan 
wank versus you know earned moments and it sounds like they're earned so that's good because i really enjoyed those moments especially reading those back when this first came out i was like oh there's the classic stuff so i was very excited about that i call it the ghost of christmas future kind of stuff but um i do have one just legitimate question i don't understand so towards the end of the ghost of christmas future vision uh optimus gets teleported by the matrix randomly to grimlock's side that's is that ever explained or why why that happened? No, it's just this is at some point you just gotta say it's matrix bullshit. Like sure. you know, like it's now what, what were you gonna say, Derek? Or? Oh, I, I I mean, no, I, I, I think that's fine. I just I just took it as like because it, it keeps jumping him to different points, but then that to me it just seemed like I, I, I don't know that I needed much of an explanation. It seemed like the explanation was the Matrix didn't want Prime to get hit in the face with yeah. Megatron's fist. And then, you know, I, I guess your question is, wh- why does he immediately get ported to Grimlock? Well, I guess Grimlock was searching for him, so maybe the Matrix is just like, okay, well, I'm going to send him to the closest, you know, I don't and know. And you'll see this in the next... spawn point that, that is... <laughs> in, is uh, you'll see yeah. this in the next issue, too, but I think the Matrix is just saying, like, this is where you need to be right now. Like, sure. you know, at the at this moment. So this is where I'm going to put you, but... And that all works from a storytelling perspective. It's just, I didn't know... Because, I, mean, I mean, yes, the Matrix is magical and, you know, obviously has its own way of dealing with stuff. So it all makes sense. I just didn't know if I missed something. I'm like, what's going on here? Um, there was something else I wanted to say, and now I've forgotten what it was. Uh, that, that you're totally conflicted that Shockwave is standing over Prowl? Yeah, that, that is a thing, yes. Uh, it's like, <laughs> oh, my favorite Decepticon beat up my favorite Autobot, yeah. But, I mean, Shockwave and Prowl are fairly similar. They're both, like, logicians, and they're both, yeah, strategists, so, but... No, I, I, I'm I'm fine with it. Like I'm fine with Shockwave looking badass. I think Prowl put up a good, like I had a good, like it's not like Prowl's like we gotta get out of here, man. Like <laughs> right, right, right. right, right. Now, Thanks. Like now I want game over, man. Now I wanted to do that. <laughs> oh, actually, no. It would be Blue Streak saying Zoinks. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I figured Derek, based on your avatar, like the Hot Rod cameo would be your yeah, favorite yeah, scene. Yeah, that was yeah. that was super awesome. Yeah. I remember people like Furman speaking of Furman being too British or like maybe just overwriting sometimes. Like when when I remember reading about like message boards about this when this issue first came out, people couldn't like decipher what the hell Megatron was saying in that scene where he was like he says like, you know, uh your your Autobots will come to spread a, a message of mutual forbearance and I will have already been and burned. Like and like I get what he's saying, but that's a really like flowery, flowery way to say it. I guess like <laughs> like I, I remember but, people I mean, saying, I mean, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> it just sounds like a Megatron kind of line, though, because I mean he's always so pompous, you know, yeah. in a different in a different way than Starscream is. But it's still a very much like I will always have the upper hand, and you know, like like a like a, a very classic villain using flower language. So it all it all works for me. Yeah. I, I'm also very surprised, like at oh, like you keep mentioning like all the sunbow nods, Derek. I'm I'm surprised that this is coming from Simon Furman because, 
like uh, for a while he was very dismissive of the cartoon because he was kind of like, well, I'm telling my own story and like the Marvel comics and like the cartoon doesn't really mesh with that. But how, how much but now, how much do you think? Uh, I mean, like how much do you think was scripted and how much do you think was was Figueroa like just drawing like this is my first big job. Like I love Transformers. I'm going to put in like all the Easter eggs I can I can think of. Do you know what I'm I mean? sure there's like, some of it, but like, I mean, Furman has said like he, he eventually got a like appreciation for the Sunbow cartoon. So maybe maybe they had calculated that that would resonate more with like, right, the readers right. of this, well, I mean, this, I mean, this I audience. Think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we brought it up too on the last, you know, the, the, the previous Dreamwave mini or yeah, the original miniseries that we covered. And, and that too, I think was, I think it was more heavily targeted towards people who had memories of that Sunbow cartoon. So I, I, I think that that probably was something that nudged him in that direction as well. You know? Yeah. Well, also at some point you gotta, you know, at that point the, the genre was what, 18 years old. I think he said in one of the previews. So at that point you're like, okay, we're doing a new continuity. Let's just pick the most iconic stuff. Whether you like Sunbow or not, he can't deny the power of it. He can't deny that yeah. that's what most kids remembered mm-hmm. when kids bought the lunchbox. They didn't buy it because they liked issue number 42 of the comic. They bought it because they liked the Sunbow cartoon. Dude, so. Issue 42 had power master Optimus prime and darkling and Dreadwind. It was awesome. If Circuit Breaker wasn't in it, it was a waste of paper. <laughs> what? Circuit Breaker not being in any comics is always a plus. Circuit Breaker <laughs> equals hot. I mean, RC and Circuit Breaker, that's about the only Transformers in the old days you can say that about. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I will say, um, I, I just have one last thing to say about uh, the covers to this issue. Like, I... The Grimlock and his team and his boys like cover like that might be my favorite cover of this mm-hmm. like series. Like I really like that one. Like I kind of I kind of wish they made war within versions of all those characters so I could buy all the toys and like have a display of them like that. <laughs> that that's a cool group shot of them. Yeah, yeah. It is but, nice. Uh, and and the other thing I have to say about the other cover, like the Patley incentive cover, which is just. The typical, you know, it's war within Optimus Prime reaching at you like he wants your purse. Like, you know, so, <laughs> like, so I, that's, I, my, that's my Pat Lee because I OK, that's good to know because I don't like it. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, only, that, I, can, I can hear I can hear Peter Cullen say, stop pooping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll I'll say it's allegedly by Pat Lee. This (laughs) this might be one of those covers he like farmed out to one of his like, you know, wage slaves or something. Dude, all that uh, to the foreground rubble is Pat Lee. But that background rubble is farmed out to someone else. I can tell. Like, it almost looks too precise to be Pat Lee. Maybe it isn't like, you know, like look at look at Prime's head. Like, that's too even. Like, but I, I don't know. But what I will say about that cover is I'm ashamed to say I spent like seven bucks to buy it. Cause it like, <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was like a, it was like, a, you know, it was an incentive cover. It wasn't on the shelf. Like my my I think a couple weeks after the issue came out, I saw it behind the counter at my comic store. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, it was the incentive cover to like last week's like uh, issue of War Within. And I'm like, oh, man, like I got to have that. Like, how much is it? And he's like, uh, seven bucks. And I was like, uh, yeah, I have to have it. Yeah, I'll buy it. Like, see, I, I, I feel like I, I think at that point I was I was embittered enough. Like, I, I, I think the thing that broke me and maybe maybe Shag can relate to this. 
the 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 thing that broke me with multiple covers was the the Robin Two miniseries, where I think I bought that was the thing. I was the sucker. I bought I bought everything. I brought all the 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 hologram ones. I bought all the newsstand ones, and then I bought that big giant slipcase that I okay. never opened with all the you know that was like shrink wrapped and had like yep. all of them in one set or whatever and then and then i felt like a nimrod for like years to come after that so so basically i guess what i'm saying is that came out in like what like 92 93 so i think i had been that range i had been burnt out like you know i don't know like nine years earlier so i don't think i was to me i was just like okay what's the regular cover okay i'm buying you know at this point (laughs) i was just like whatever the regular cover is it's three bucks it's not six bucks or seven bucks or whatever it is like I'll, i'll buy that one i wish i could claim i was smart enough but like I thought I would learn my lesson with X-Men number one because I bought the damn thing what, five or six times and it's just the same comic book inside. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I went ahead and did it with Robin, just like you described. I bought all the stupid Robin ones. Uh, the closest that, that made it interesting was probably that Team Titans where they at least give you eight oh. different pages in the back. That, that um, was one of those things that sucked because I, I remember Mike explained this to me too. They did the same thing with the Slingers where like that first issue had like eight different pages like mm. from the perspective across of four different. covers yeah. yeah do not so speak ill of sl- do not speak ill of slingers i'm just saying <laughs> I, I like slingers but like i'm just saying that i, I it's sucked that i had to and i didn't find them i only bought two of the covers because i didn't find the other two to get the full issue one you had to buy the comic four fucking times <laughs> You got sucker written across your head, Mike. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing I like Chris Cross's art, but <laughs> yeah. All okay. right, so we're racing yeah. to the conclusion here. Yeah, I think, here's right? number number six. Yeah, let me read the summary, and then we will talk about the war within the conclusion. It is the first arc of the reign of Optimus Prime as leader of the Autobots, and things are not going that well. With plasma pumped from Cybertron's core shot upward through the city, Iacon disintegrates in flame and molten metal. Both Shockwave and Prowl order their respective armies to evacuate from the carnage. Optimus Prime, armed with a weapon and advice from Grimlock, hunts Megatron. An attempt at an ambush fails, and Prime gains the upper hand against his rival, powered by a new resolve. Ironhide, Wheeljack, and Cup fight against the Decepticons, trying to stop Starscream's destruction of the surface. Starscream ignores the combat, too preoccupied savoring the destruction, the de- demolition of his rivals. Motormaster tries to get the drop on the Autobots, but Grimlock interrupts. Optimus Prime soon arrives after Grimlock. With the machines overloading and the Autobots attacking, Optimus Prime orders his soldiers to get clear. He sends a radio message to Wheeljack with the command for Wheeljack to use his... This is terrible. This summary is pretty terribly written. With the command for Wheeljack to use his Make Planetary Turbine Stop Working missile on the planetary turbines. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're they're making fun of the plot point, which is actually pretty funny. Wheeljack fires the missile and ruins the Decepticons' plans. The underground Autobots take Megatron's drill elevator to the surface to reunite with their surviving comrades. With the city gone, the Autobots agree to Optimus Prime's plan to leave the planet, but Prime announces that his experiences within Cybertron have convinced him that the planet has a greater purpose that cannot be abandoned. 
Within the tunnels, Soundwave finds Megatron, who now has a few gaps in his memory. In private, Optimus Prime relates to Grimlock about their battles with their respective dark sides. Prime shows Grimlock a golden disc he received from Gravitas, containing the wisdom of his predecessors, but Prime decides that it's best to toss the disc away, declaring that he would rather choose his own path, till all are one. So this is the conclusion of War Within, and this is going to be where the bulk of my criticism comes in, because I think it, I still like it, but I think it kind of falls apart a little in this last part. Like, and Furman's never been super good at conclusions to stories, and I think it, like, kind of... It, 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 this is a prime example, a prime example of that. Prime. There's a lot of stuff that gets like hand waved away or just like ignored. And like, I, I don't know, like, and the biggest part is, okay, like, uh, and I want to open a discussion about this. What it is remarkably unclear what Optimus does to Megatron. Like, see, that, people, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, people cause, seem cause, to think, like, he gave him a lobotomy or something with the sword. or I, like, I don't know. See, that, that, that's what's funny is I don't know. Like, I read that, and I'm like, I don't know how you got that. For, like, honestly, like, the way I read it was when he says I did what had to be done, it wasn't like he did anything detrimental to Megatron. I thought it was he had him. He could have, like, lopped his head off or stuck the sword in his head and did what Grimlock told him to do. But because he had this Matrix vision quest, like, he sort of knew that their future, you know, that, that you know, Megatron was essential for that future to happen as well. So to me, I, I always viewed it as, even though you didn't see it on camera, he wrestled with the idea. He was about to stab him in the face. And instead, he stabbed him, like, right next to his face in the ground. But not that I never got the idea he, you know, I don't know. He pulled a Batman and Power Records and lobotomized him or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> the never, way, I, the, I never people got get, that. People get that idea because the way of, like, Prime is looming over Megatron with the sword. And, like, Megatron's head is, like, you know, with his back of his head exposed to him. And then, like, when, when Megatron's, like, staggering, like, with Soundwave, like, you can kind of see the back of Megatron's head's been kind of, like, cleaved a little. So mm. maybe that's where the people get that idea. But, like, I mean, yeah, like, the other explanation is, like, some, like, because Optimus also says to Grimlock, like, what I witnessed down there is kind of gone now. Mm -hmm. So maybe, like, you know, the Matrix wiped both their memories. But, like, so, I don't know. I just, I think the whole thing is just very unclear as to what happened. Oh, you're absolutely right. Without a doubt. Yeah. Like, I, I read that as when he said, I did what I had to do because he's talking to Grimlock and Grimlock is very insistent that he was supposed to kill Megatron. When he says, I did what I had to do, I felt like he meant I left Megatron alive mm -hmm. because of the Matrix visions. I did what I had to do. I had to leave him alive because I know we have a future together. I don't know that he lobotomized him. I think both of them are suffering the whole, like, typical comic trope of the universe, you know, the timeline has changed and I'm now forgetting everything I just did. That's so weird. So that's kind of how I read that as. See, it's, it's weird. Like I, I guess I, I mean, maybe, maybe you guys are right. Cause I, I, I didn't take it as both of them had been wine wiped. I took it more as like the whole 
you know, Smallville Superboy thing of like, you know, somebody, you know, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor's dad, you know, somebody finds out, oh, you're from Krypton, you're Superboy. And then by the end of it, they get clonked on the head and it's like, gee whiz, I don't remember anymore. Like that's that's kind of that's kind of what I took happened that that Prime still has the memories of these visions. And since he's the good and noble figure, it's like he's not going to abuse them. Like, I thought that was the whole point of him. I mean, I guess we'll get into this, but I thought that was the whole point of him tossing the golden disc into outer space because it it was supposed to be symbolic of I, I'm not going to forget what the Matrix showed me, but I'm not going to abuse that either. So the golden disc will just, you know, go fuck off in outer space and do whatever. Right. Like that's I, I, I sort of thought that was the the point, because it, it made me question, like, if if Prime knows things right, like he, he sort of knows they're going to end up on this alien planet. Like, does that make him? I, I always I always say this, so excuse me, but does that make him less of a whiny bitch for for having crashed the ark into the earth? Because a lot of times in most of the continuities, Prime feels extremely remorseful. Like he's like, I brought this war to a planet that wasn't ready for it and all that other stuff. But if he if he sort of had this vision that it was meant to be, then then may, maybe there's this aspect of him. I don't know whether it's. Not that he had pre-knowledge exactly of what he needed to do at the time, but the fact that like by the time he pushes the button, sends the Ark into Earth, and then when he wakes up, there's a little less of that kind of, I don't know, hand-ringy prime that's in the Marvel comics and more of that John Wayne Sunbow prime that's like, you know, oh, this is meant to be like, we're here to fight the good fight, and that that's kind of the end of it. But I, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of what my takeaway from it was. But but again, that doesn't mean that your interpretations, you know, you know how you said both of them maybe got hit with the reset button. I mean, I think that's equally valid, right? Because then then if if Prime doesn't know, then then he can still go on to make those same decisions and be, you know, I don't know, hand ringy and, and upset about it, too. Right. So. So I, I think we all clearly agree that it's unexplained and we're all having to put our own interpretations on mm-hmm. there. So I don't mm-hmm. know that we can get to a real answer. I want to pick up on what Derek was talking about with that disc, though, because if there's any what the fuck moment in the whole book, that's it for me, because Optimus says, you know, um, that he says that the voices below the surface were dark, uh, a legacy of what they once were. And that's why I was I, I alluding to earlier when I said I want you guys to pay attention to that. Like, I don't remember anything about the voices and the visions underground being evil. Like, not at all. They actually seem to be giving a pretty good advice. And then, like, it seemed to me the whole effing story was about getting Optimus to listen to other people's advice. Cause initially he's like, I've made up my mind. This is what we're doing. And then he learns to listen to his teammates. He learns to listen to the planet. He learns to listen to the voices. So it's all about Optimus moves forward. and begins to learn, listen to people. So he takes all the knowledge that he could have listened to of the, all the previous primes. He goes, nah, I got this shit myself. I'm like, <laughs> totally like, what the fuck, man? Seriously? I, I've got well, like when I see read that scene now, I've kind of got like you know Plinket the Mister Plinket voice in my head, like you know, say like maybe Grimlock would be like, I don't know, that could have been fucking useful, like you know, like, <laughs> all all the knowledge of your predecessors. I don't know, I think they shouldn't throw that disc away. It could be fucking useful, like you know. Like, <laughs> 
it's 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 funny too because then I, I don't know for for us longtime fans we've got the whole I mean a golden disc means means more than it means here, right? Like the I mean I know it's not the same golden yeah. disc as the Beast Wars golden disc, but it does it it does evoke that too where you're sitting there going well that's not supposed to be the same disc like because the golden disc came from Earth not from Cybertron but then we have the golden disc the the thing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Michael backed me up on this, and maybe not. And and it it's it's totally fair to for Shag to be like, what the fuck are these voices? Like, what do they mean? Because it's not answered in this. I, I feel like there are some possible answers in the follow up miniseries because that deals with the the fallen and this kind of like dark ancient Cybertronian like that 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 ancient Cybertronians somehow had that you know I don't know. The, the the evil the dark voice that they're referring to okay. like the, like reference to me that like that's probably trying to see what is coming in the next miniseries with the fallen or at least that would be my take on it i don't you know what, to, do, what do you think you, you have you have to stop saying the fallen because that's what the second transformers movie was and it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit every time you say <laughs> it. so you have to stop saying that, that, that's fine too because because that's unfortunately that's uh that's well, what this the the OG Fallen is a lot different than the the Michael Bay terrible awesome Tony Todd Fallen. But that movie yeah, was so I I can sit yeah. through just about any movie. I could not sit through Transformers two. Literally, I had nothing to do at all well, that day, and I couldn't finish it. Speaking of the Fallen, and it's something I forgot to mention in last issue's uh, summary, but I do like that. I think it was either la- last issue or the issue before that first page of like primordial Cybertron, and you see Unicron's ah. like shadowy hand over it. Like that's a great image. Like, Which, and that was uh, this is issue five. You're saying uh, it's either four or five. It might be four actually. Now that I think of it, but the very first splat, the very first page. It's like the primordial like, oh, Cybertron. And I noticed the hand. Sh- I didn't yeah, know what that it's was. Supposed to be like it's. A, I think it's supposed to be Unicron's like hand, like over it, like and like. I think that's a r- nice, like, cool foreboding like image. That's freaking cool. But yeah, but uh, in whatever case, um, way back, like I, I, I wanted to add something because we kind of got. Well, what do you call? It? I, I kind of forgot to say it when we were talking about it, but uh, about the whole like memory loss thing and like whatever, like maybe Prime thought he was like destined to, you know, do. I don't know. Like I, that still doesn't work for me because, like, if Prime had this vision that their war is going to continue and spread to all these other alien planets, wouldn't that give him the resolve to fucking end it right now? Then, like, <laughs> like, yeah. If anything, I would think that would say, okay, well, this is not going to go. Like, I don't care about destiny. I'm going to chop Megatron's head off right now if I can spare a bunch of like you know people from like you know our war going to their planet. But well, well I mean, that's, that, that's, that's exactly a... what Megatron does to does. He goes, all right, cool, we're going to fight forever. I'm just going to kill you right now. Yeah, that Megatron comes to that conclusion. Yeah, so, but I, I don't know. Like I said, it's just very unclear and, and, like you said, inconsistent. Even like in like what you said, Shag. Like even with the golden disc, like it's very, very like off message. I guess like, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of like they realized. Oh, hey, we 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 have to tell more stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. And then the, the the other thing, like aside from the goal, like like I said, all, all my criticisms pretty much of this series fall on this issue. The golden disc, like the unclear like memory loss, and then again, like like I was saying when I read the summary, like 
like Optimus's whole plan is to have Wheeljack just shoot a missile at like the thing, like is and that that one missile can like destroy the whole planetary turbine or whatever. Like I don't know, maybe he he shot it at a secret. I mean, Wheeljack's an engineer, so maybe he knows where to shoot it, like right at the secret like weak point that'll make the whole thing blow up. But like that, it, it, like it, it it's again unclear and kind of. Like I said, Furman's not great at conclusions, so this is kind of like, and then Wheeljack shoots a missile at it, whatever. Well, like, well, well it is kind of funny because because Prime's like, all right, guys, Wheeljack, I want you to do this. Uh, you know, Prowl, I want you to do this, dude. I want you to do this, and he goes through the whole list, and all the guys are like, what? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh! Like, like, like it's supposed to be this like awesome revelation, but I, I, I don't know. It's funny when you describe what Wheeljack actually does because it doesn't seem like there's a real, uh, like, like there's some like really well thought out, you know, like, like none of us had thought about this before, and and it all, you know, masterfully comes together. Like, you know, it, it's like we couldn't put it together, but the Prime can, you know. But it's like it's when you describe it, it's like, dude, just. Just shoot it with a missile. <laughs> if somebody I, shoot the damn thing. Why, why, why ain't none of you guys blown this shit up yet? Oh! <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of the issue, though, because, like, Wheeljack, you know, he's, he's all into it, you know, and he's like, what do you want me to do? Like, holy shit, what? And then when he says it, he's like, he's bitching and complaining about it. I love it. He's like, 16 cycles of hard graft and advanced nanomechanics, a sustained cluster of symposiums with the finest techno-theoretical minds on Cybertron, and it all comes down to this. He's like, I, I, you know, I, I went to school, for, you know, went to evil school, and not really evil, but, you know, I went to school for 15 years, and you make me shoot a missile. I love that bit. I thought it was hilarious. Just, it actually just blow it up. It made me like wheel. You know what would have made this more like full circle for me is either A, that was Blue Streak, who didn't believe Cybertronians had capability of war and had rockets on his shoulders, and then finally realizes, oh, I have rockets on my shoulders and blows up the engine. Or Wheeljack was in that original scene going, I don't know, Cybertronians are supposed to be engineers. We're not cut out for war. And then at the end of it, Wheeljack's the one that's like, oh, I'm cut out for war. And he like shoots the thing with the missile and then ends it like that. That might have we'll made it a little more full circle. If for Blue Streak was in that position, he'd be like, 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 you don't know these are T-shirt cannons on my shoulders, right? <laughs> <laughs> Zoinks! Zoinks! Scoob! Well, I liked it. I thought it was a fun way to do it. Yeah, like, y'all are, I, I y'all mean, are just cranky and whiny bitches. Even yeah, even though like I mean, I still enjoy this series on a whole. On the whole, I just think like I, having read Simon Furman's comics for like you know thirty years of my life or whatever, it's just I've noticed that he always tends to. Not drop the like he fumbles the ball a little bit in the final part usually, and he just manages to barely recover it before it like you know gets like the you know I don't know I'm not good at football metaphors whatever but like but you're a nerd he, talking about comic books exactly that goes yeah. without saying like he 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 very rarely runs it in for a clean touchdown basically you know you know I guess just just to establish too like that people put their own spin on it like the whole lobotomy thing and the golden disc thing and all that stuff it's like they they I mean admittedly look dreamwave you know went bankrupt they didn't have a chance to finish their stories but there also seemed to be some insinuation that somehow in the later ongoing series that 
Rekgar somehow restored Megatron's missing memories. And, and I went and looked at a couple of those issues just because I was like, I don't remember that. Like, And I just wanted to know if it was more bullshit that people wrote in the wiki. And I feel like it was more bullshit that people wrote in the wiki. Because, like, he, he I, I think Rekgar, like, saves Megatron and helps repair him and then he makes like a bunch of Decepticon zombies for Megatron and then Megatron like kills Rekgar and then he's gonna go off to war with these Decepticon zombies and then I think the book gets cancelled so I'm like I don't I don't remember him like going like oh you you identity crisis mind wiped me prime all those years ago and now I want revenge like there wasn't there wasn't anything like that like I think I, I think it's 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 just some like continuity welding, I guess, because in that first like Chris Saracini, like generation one miniseries, Megatron says something like, oh, do you remember why this war started prime? Like, I don't like and it was just some like, you know, throwaway line at that time. But like, you know, if you take it literally and you take this into account and then you would take when Megatron comes back in the generation one ongoing, like written by like, uh, you know, McDonough and Patrick, like before mm, that got canceled, like he, he, it seems like mega, like the very issue it like ends Megatron comes back with his, and it says like, Oh, like I remember my original agenda. Like I have all my original plans again and you know, we're going to revive the Decepticons and they're going to be better than ever. Cause I know what we're doing again. So maybe like, people are extrapolating that that's how they wanted this to go. But like, it was never made yet. Like you said, it's never made exactly clear in any like comic or like spelled out that way. Okay. So best characters, I'm changing your subject. Best characterization in the whole issue. Starscream. I just love, he's (laughs) like, screw it. I'm burning it all down. And it's just, he's gone completely insane. And I love that about him. And then I mean, he ditch, he ditches when it gets to like when it's clear mm-hmm. like it's gonna go downhill like oh why me like if, <laughs> if I can't if I can't have the toys then nobody can have the toys mm-hmm. so I I don't have the like you got you know you said this is the issue you feel like that w- was the one that didn't work for you like I'm actually other than like really the throwing away the gold disc is my biggest problem but other than that like I'm I'm good with this it was a lot of fun great big fights you know it felt like a worthy build up and conclusion you know sure there's a lot of accepting on faith that Optimus just knows the where to hit and everything but he's been listening to all the voices that tell him what to do so I I'm good with this it's like he went from sniveling little like his journey he's a sniveling little clerk in the beginning to here he is as you said the John Wayne uh, badass, and I'm I love it. I mean, I mean, the, the, I think I think the reason I mean I don't I don't want to speak for Mike, but the reason why some of this falls short for me is I think the whole Megatron's life getting spared, but him not remembering the future bits. It's it's convenient. It's convenient for the True. future of the franchise. And and despite what you said, I mean, it, I, I don't disagree with what you said. Like there there were some great action moments like it, it is an exciting climax, like that type of thing. I, I think kind of at least my takeaway is the, the the wrap up to it is certainly convenient. It's like coming to the end of that you know, 44 minute Star Trek episode. And it's like, okay, we got to wrap stuff up now. So everybody is, is back to where they were and reset. And it's like that there, there is a little bit of that towards the tail end of this, where, where you felt like, Oh, maybe, maybe some of that could have been, you know, tweaked. So it wasn't so obvious, you know, mm-hmm. you just yeah. a hater. <laughs> 
It's true. It's true. <laughs> and and the art is still gorgeous. Like you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, the I art's love that. Awesome. I love that panel of Optimus like arriving on the scene. Like I, I guess Shag, like the Matrix, just teleported him there or whatever. Like again, like or I, I don't like they don't really give an indication of how far like underground like Prime and Grimlock were as as compared to where like the Decepticons are doing this whole like underground planetary turbine thing. Mm-hmm. So like there's no there's no real sense of distance like how long it took them to get there, but. Well, as far as the, the your idea of he, he went where he needed to go, I'm a Doctor Who fan, so the whole idea that TARDIS always takes the Doctor where he needs to go, not where he wants to go, that's it all works for me. Yeah, I think that's pretty much how you have to take it. Like, Matrix magic. There it is. And then that, that elevator takes them straight back to Iacon, too, I guess. Like, that subterranean elevator that takes them back up, up to the surface. But whatever. I don't know. I, I, I guess Cybertron's a small planet. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, despite my, you know, I remember being disappointed a little even back in the day, like when I first read this issue. But like, I still love this series. Like, I I think it it was it was, you know, it's it's a bedrock of uh, numerous things. Like Derek said, it it, it starts it's a a building block for a hell of a lot of things that will come after this, like not even in Dreamwave, but in a lot of Transformers media. Yeah. And like, you know, Don... Don Figueroa is a fantastic artist. He's one of my favorite like Transformers artists. I'm sad that he's kind of like retired. It seems like from like comic book uh, art and like transform. I think he was kind of left a bit bitter from a lot of his experiences with both Dreamwave and then like later IDW. So yeah, like I mean, I have a huge amount of respect and like nostalgic love for this series, and like that's why like I I. I, I, much more than you know the dream the generation one like miniseries that like you know was running before slash parallel to this so mm-hmm. i don't know if i ever read the second volume so like this one just really stuck out in my mind is like again it was for me it was really cool because i got to see the the origin stories you know i got to see how these characters became who they were you got the great Optimus Prime. I mean, it gives you what you want out of a Transformers thing. You get a great Optimus and Megatron fight. You get, you know, uh, insight into various characters. You you get big, big explosive, you know, great big stakes. In this case, it was the the Cybertron engines. And then, like I said, the whole thing about Grimlock finding out he used to be a Decepticon. I was like, wow, this is, I really felt like I was getting a, a juicy bite of a great Transformers, you know, steak or something like that. And I was very pleased with it. And I still am. Yeah, I I think I mean I I, I don't know if this is gonna the bury your enthusiasm to look at other installments of this, but I I don't know if Mike would agree with me or not. But I mean, not only do I feel like this series still holds up, but I I think it's the of the of the it's probably unfair because the third one, like I said, Dreamwave went bankrupt, so the third one only got three issues out. So you can read three issues, and then you could read like. I don't know, Simon Furman scripts or synopses for what would have happened in the last three issues. But the the uh, the the two sequels to this, like, I don't think are as good as as this one. So and I I don't I don't know if that's a weird way to praise this. But but to me, this is of the three. Right. This is the best one. Yeah, this one stands out like I I have fondness for Dark Ages, but it's definitely weaker. Like it's like Dark Ages is the sequel. 
sequel to this, like War Within the Dark Ages. And they got like Andrew Wildman back from like, you know, Marvel Comics to like draw it. But like his pencils were not compatible with Dreamwave's like digital coloring and it looks kind of bad. So, mm. but, yeah, those names sound familiar. So maybe I did buy them, but I just have no recollection of them. Yeah, that was like the whole fallen like storyline or whatever. But but I, I don't know, maybe one day we'll review that and maybe we'll ask you, Shag, to come back and force you to read it. We'll tie you to a chair and force you to read it. <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. I love coming on here and talking with you guys and being the complete moron and neophyte. It's fun. Yay. Or we could we could even talk the second like generation one miniseries, like which is uh, also Pat Lee, but it's something of an improvement, I feel like, from the first one. But you know, well, let's talk about something that makes us happy. How's yeah, that? yeah. I was gonna <laughs> say, like, whatever, whatever's funner, yeah, to talk about. Like, but yeah, I think uh, I mean I've said all I've had to say. Like, I, 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 I like, despite my criticisms, I like the War Within, and um, I'm, I, I wish, uh, I kind of wish they made more toys based on it. Like, they have made some toys based on the design, like Don Figueroa's designs, but not nearly enough. I bet those look amazing. I mean, are it. It's interesting, too, because there's always a difference between the toys of, like, the kind that are designed to just look like the robot versus the ones that have to transform. They have to give up a lot when they make them yeah. to, to transform. So it'd be interesting to see his that would be made not in transforming, but just looks like, you know, awesome robot kind of thing. They Like, third-party companies, like, uh, which are bad and you should not buy from, <laughs> uh, they've made like a war within Optimus and a war within Megatron that both look really like excellent, like, you know, well worth the money you pay for them. And they, they even had a Grimlock planned like the same company, but I guess it got canceled, which was a shame because I might've even bought that. Cause I love Don Figueroa's like war within Grimlock design. Like, I think it looks, yeah, like awesome. Like, like Derek said, he turns into like a, you know, sort of bat tank sort of looking thing. And I like some people hate this, but I kind of love it because it, it, it hints at like, you know, Grimlock's eventual like Tyrannosaurus like mode, like his robot mode, like faceplate has the kind of like teeth, like he in does. the gaps. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's an awesome little touch. I wasn't sure if that was like a standard Grimlock thing because i didn't want to mention the teeth and just be like oh and you guys be like well you know it's always there but like i i thought no was- no no he has usually has like a solid face plate mm. but like yeah you know. yeah do you like my impersonation of derek there going well, it's always been there. <laughs> that, that sounds that, just that like that, him that, i thought it was dead him. on like, I, thought it, I thought it was me <laughs> i was like typical stupid derek <laughs> 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 I'm I'm here in double two Derek's in stereo. So so Shag, tell tell the listeners uh, where they can find you on the interwebs. Like what what other projects do you have to to pimp, promote, and propagate for for the listeners? Like where can they find you if they wanna if they wanna hear you wax poetic about other fun things? Well, if they if they haven't got enough of all my mistakes and my errors here, uh, they can find me over at the Fire and Water Podcast Network, where we uh, it's a network full of all kinds of pop culture shows. I tend to hang around the comic book shows. You'll find me on uh, Aquaman and Firestorm, which is a show dedicated to those two characters. The Who's Who Podcast, Digest Cast. Uh, my own show is the Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast. And then I'm on a number of other various shows appear here and there on the network. So Fire and Water Podcast Network would be the place to find me. And thank, thank you so 
much for having me on here. I really enjoyed this. This is my second trip back into much beloved old Transformer stuff, and it's it both of them have been very rewarding. So I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to have you on the show, man. Like I, I, I had fun recording with you a super secret special project uh, not too long ago, and it's fun to have you on on our network too, doing doing shows that are not super in secret. But it's fun. <laughs> I'm not dropping any hints, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's always good to have you on, Shag. Like I when I was thinking of like Derek was saying like I think. Like months and months ago, Derek was saying, "Hey, what about like you know some Dreamwave stuff like to talk about like for Transformers Tuesdays?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let's get like Shag back like to like talk about like some Dreamwave stuff and like yeah." So, you know, anytime. I love that the one Transformers uh, corner of the universe that leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I'm the first person you think of. <laughs> so, <laughs> perfect. It's sort of we, telling. We, we we need we need somebody to uh, to be jovial and festivious and everything like you are, right? Like I'm, it's like it's like you're you're the joy we're finding in the Dreamwave comics, not the actual comics, you know. You want to turn that around? Invite me on for Armada. That'll be a whole different show, right there, man. <laughs> uh. All right, uh, let's see. Mike usually has me do this, so I'll go into it. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you're like, uh, uh, what the hell, uh, uh, I don't know. I can't think of it anymore. But send your angry emails to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Transformers Tuesdays, you can find them on the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, uh, Stitcher uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Take it away, Mike. Thanks, Derek. And uh, this is Mike signing off. This is Derek. Derek WC throwing away my golden disc. Don't get mad at me. Signing off. <laughs> this is the Irredeemable Shag saying, "Roll out." Cold, far away world. A battle is raging between evil and good. From the stars that came here to earth, caught in this struggle through the whole universe. Robotic warriors give it their own, fighting disguise to the victors. This whole transform.
I think that golden disc would have been fucking useful. <laughs> stupid, stupid Derek throwing away the golden disc. Throwing disc. away the golden disc. <laughs>